Oh, okay. Boy, oh boy. Ready to start this shit? This shit show? I am. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the number one podcast in the world. The number one corn podcast. The number one music podcast. The number one podcast ever. I'm just repeating myself now. Uh, Yeah, check us out. We're on iTunes, where you're probably listening to this. But go rate, review, and uh, subscribe to us on there. Follow follow us on social media, at Asinine Radio. My name is Tyler, and way out there in the ether, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, we're full of some. Co- we're full of corn coffee right now. We did buy a bag of that. If you didn't we listen the to the kernels of corn, the kernels of corn. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we're we're full of that. Full of that right now. Belly full of corn coffee. Uh, so we're ready to go. Get things going. Uh, but before we get into the main up to the to the actual album, we're gonna we're rank all thirteen of the corn albums. And Jeff is not much of a cornman at all. So did this uh, change me? I don't know. I think it might have changed you a little bit. I'm shocked that you were okay with this. This was your idea to do corn, by the way. You remember that, right? I do. You suggested let you suggested corn. So I gave you two weeks to listen to all 13 albums. You busted them out in less than a week. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, like I said, they have 13. This is my favorite band of all time. My favorite album of all time is a corn album. Uh, my favorite song is a corn song. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've been following this band since I was like in seventh grade, and they're awesome. So, let's, let's start from the worst corn album to the best corn album. So, I have my rankings, Jeff has his, and I also have another set of rankings <laughs> where I think Jeff ranked the albums too. So, those will be so good. I'm so excited for, for your, <laughs> this your really, predictions. This is like the best part. This is like. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. I don't know what to do. I'm t- I don't even know what to do. You're I got so my giddy. cold brew. I got my cold brew all lined up, ready to go, baby. I got my beer all ready to go. So I went and got a beer before we started this. So I got my I got my seven string guitar with me right now to really get into the corn mood. I'm I'm holding that in my lap right now, kind of playing along. Are you holding and it the way like 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 monkey holds his bass? You mean fieldy? Or fieldy holds his bass. Really low like that? But like it's like vertical? No, I'm not not holding it like that no. but uh yeah so let's um let's get into it what, what is your number 13 what is the worst corn album to you or do you want to give like a little thing about corn or do you want you just want to get into it let me just get into it i guess okay let's just get into it do you want to say do you want to do what you think mine is first or do you want me to give you what mine is and then ask you what you thought mine would be i'll, I'll give you i'll give you what i think yours is that's okay. how we'll do it okay so i think 
So Jeff is going to pick as the worst corn album. He's going to pick the paradigm shift. And I, and I, cause we also are going to name our favorite song from each album. So that's going to be his least favorite corn album. And he's not going to like any of the songs. <laughs> that's what I put. That's what I wrote. I, I, I wrote, you won't like any of these songs. That's what I wrote. In yeah, so I, sometimes I do do that. I just like, fuck it. I fuck all these songs, but I tried really hard to pick one from every album. Oof. I'm nervous. Okay, so uh, their worst <laughs> album for me, number thirteen, is not the Paradigm Shift. Oh it's my god, definitely Untouchables. Really? That is that is like it's slow. It's boring. They're progressively wow. getting like more and more slow and more and more boring, and their music just like trudges along. Huh. This one yeah. I put Wake Up Hate. Maybe. That's a that's a weird song, but that's a great song. But like. Here to Stay was kind of cool also, an honorable mention of, of a song that may have been cool, but nothing from here was even closely going huh. on a playlist. Interesting. Untouchable, that was, their worst. That was a very expensive album for them to make, too. That cost that album cost them like over a million dollars to make. Oh, they wa- they've wasted that money. Yeah. And they, well, they also, they also like pioneered a new way of recording music, which no band had ever done and I don't think has done since. Like the way that they recorded it and like the sound frequencies and stuff. Like it was like something way ahead of its time. I don't even really understand it myself, but apparently like no band's ever done it, even still to this day. They've never recorded an album like they did at Untouchables. So so yeah, and Here to Stay won a Grammy, so best metal performance. But, uh, but yeah, so that's Untouchables. I can't believe Untouchables is your least favorite. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that I was, for sure that was their only album that I thought was bad. Interesting. You thought it was bad. That's crazy. Yes. That's the only album that I that I I used to feel about Serenity of Suffering. That was mm-hmm. this is it. Untouchables <laughs> is the only album I thought through and through was all bad. I can't believe you put Serenity of Suffering above Untouchables. Oh, I did. Unbelievable. Um, my least favorite is the Paradigm Shift. It, it's, I feel it's the, it's their weakest effort. And I will say, not one of these albums is below a two point five for me. None of, of them. None of them are below a two point five for me. And the lowest is Paradigm Shift. That's holy crap! It's my Ola. least favorite. I mean, this album was the one where Head came back to the band in like 2012, and uh, and I, just, I don't know, man. It just seems really disjointed. The whole album does, and uh, and Jonathan Davis just sounds like he really phones it in on this album. So I, it has its moments that are really really cool, but overall, no. But my favorite song on it is uh, Spike in My Veins. So yeah, that's, okay. That, that's the most solid song on it. I feel all right. All right, man. What do you got for number twelve? Or no, no. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you have. Okay, you got um, as number twelve. You put the nothing. Dang. Am I right? Am I right? No. Ah, oh, fuck. And I put the song harder. I thought that was going to be your favorite on that. Okay. I fuck, dude. I'm wrong again. Yeah. I'm zero for two. So what was you, your number twelve? I so like the, the way you're going and looking at my rankings and where I place the the things that you're saying. None of these are going to be right. <laughs> it sure sounds like it. Maybe we might be able to like meet in the middle, but I don't know. Um, our, I think our top four would probably be pretty similar. Probably, yeah. I know a top three would be pretty similar. I think. All right. Um, so, what's your number twelve? Number twelve. See you on the other side. Okay. I this thought one, that was going to be low for you as well, but yeah, th- this one wasn't terrible. There wasn't a whole lot for me to get into, and um, I realized that I really dislike Twisted Transistor. <laughs> I do not like that song at all. That's my. That's possibly like one of my least favorite corn songs. 
Interesting. Okay. Not that I know a whole lot of Corn songs anyway, but well, you just um, listened to all, almost all of their music. Yeah, but like Twisted Transistor, that one sticks out to me because it is so popular, but it's also very, very bad. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like shocked. Like, like I, I couldn't believe that they put this song out because it sucks. Oh, at the time I didn't like it, but it grew on me. Okay, it really. Grew well, on it, me. That sounds terrible. But um, uh, for no one. Okay. The, oh, that's a good one. The hook in that one is pretty damn catchy, even mm-hmm. though the song is kind of whatever's. Okay. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I got. But even that's like, a okay, so like un- that's a deep track right there. Untouchables, I would rank at like a one, maybe even less. <laughs> See you on <laughs> the other crazy. side. I'm doing probably like one one seven five, maybe. That's high. I, I can't believe. I thought there would be way more that you'd hate. That's that's shocking to me. That's I don't shocking. know, man. Maybe I'm just I'm turning I'm turning a new leaf. I got Animal Crossing again. I've already beat the new leaf part of it. Now I'm on New Horizons and I'm going into New Horizons. <laughs> By the way, just throwing it out there, the cold brew corn coffee is terrible. Oh, is it really? It's <laughs> awful. It does not translate well in cold brew style. It is it fucking sucks. gross. Oh, that really sucks. It has like this weird like moldy taste to it. Oh. That, I'm sorry, man, but I mean that, that's most that's all cold brew coffee anyway. It's all bad. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, number twelve for me. Uh, my rankings is Serenity of Suffering. I love this album. I do love it, <laughs> but there are just so many other better albums. To be honest, it's still a, a solid, solid record. Uh, my favorite song on this one is uh, "Take Me." It's I love the chorus. The, although the song Take Me, it, it kind of has like this, it doesn't transition very well from the verses to the chorus, but the the chorus is so catchy and it's so melodic and, and good that it makes up for the kind of kind of copy and paste way it sounds, you know, if that makes okay. any sense. But no, I fucking love that song and I think this is a, a fantastic album. This It's fucking great. It's not a perfect album, but it's, it's probably, <laughs> it's, it's, probably like a, it's probably like a 2.8. Are you serious? Yeah, probably. How the fuck? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> no. Are you joking my ass? <laughs> <laughs> no. You're fucking nuts. Uh, you belong okay, in well, an asylum or something. You're insane. So, so number 11. I think you're number 11. Actually, I'm pretty positive your number 11 is Serenity of Suffering. Oh, you right? got that one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think your favorite song on that is Black is the Soul. Oh, no, no. Right? Oh, I thought for sure that that was going to be it. Because I know it's not the the one with Corey Taylor. Which one's that one? The Different World? No. Okay. No. Yeah, Serenity Suffering is my number 11. (laughs) Uh, I thought this one was still a little bit boring. The vocals in that one really droned. Mm -hmm. And they kind of led the music to also kind of just drone along. Kind of like what you said, the copy and paste type of thing. This whole album just kind of seemed like it was just the same thing and one after the other, just in line. That's interesting. But I, mm-hmm. my favorite song is Next in Line. Ooh, that's a good one, too. It's got a little that's rap a action song. in there, a little scratching, mm-hmm. and a little screamo stuff. Yep. Yep, yep. One. I love the scratching on that. That was, um, that was a DJC Minus, I think. And he, uh, he, he actually toured with Korn back in the late 90s. He was their DJ on like fa- the original family family values and stuff. So it's kind of cool that they brought him back like 20 years later, almost 20 years later to be on a corn record. But yeah, um, my number 11, let's see, let's go back up to my list. Number 11 is See You on the Other Side. Uh, 
yeah, man, this is, it's a cool record. I mean, the way it was made is interesting because they had Atticus Ross, who is in Nine, Nine Inch Nails and who does like movie scores and shit. He produced the album with The Matrix and The Matrix is like this pop producer, this pop producer group, I guess you could say. So like they, they really changed it up and this is the first album after Head left uh, back in 04. So it's like they were really experimenting and doing weird things on this record. Um, they added a, more members to the touring band with like percussionists and that kind of stuff and a keyboardist, full-time keyboardist. Um, but yeah, so it's see you on the other side. And my favorite song, which I think is a phenomenal song, is Open Up. That bass line in that song, oh my God, it's so good. But it's okay. so damn good. But there you go. That's my number 11. Number 11. What do you got for number 10? Now we're in the top 10. Oh, oh yeah. No, I'll, I'll give you your number 10, actually. You, uh, <laughs> I'll give you your number 10. <laughs> okay. So it's see you on the other side, even though you already said that. I mean, it's wrong. I'm wrong. But it should be your number 10. But yeah, I thought your favorite song on it was going to be Twisted Transistor. Really? I really thought it was going to be. I thought I thought you were going to say, yeah, you know, it's like the most different song on the album. It, it's really straightforward and it's just kind of like basic. You know, I thought I thought you were going to say something like that, you know? Damn, you just like, you you think. You Striking think, out, man. You think I'm a dullard. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. You well, you think the same of me, so. No, I know you're a dullard. <laughs> 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 my number wait, thir- and my number nine is actually their untitled album. Wait, are we on nine? Yeah, thirteen, twelve, eleven. Oh, number ten, number ten, number 10. ten. Yeah, we're in ten. Number ten. I should really should number these instead of bullets. But words are like bullets. Words are like bullets. My number ten is untitled. It's called untitled, right? That's what they. The yeah, name of it they is? they went with untitled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This this was weird. This one almost fell into like this metalcore realm. It was weird, super yeah. heavy. But it also added a lot of those like metalcore type electronic drum sounds in there. Mm-hmm. But there was also a lot of actual singing. Mm-hmm. So it was a very strange album for me. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I definitely did not like it. But uh, <laughs> Ever Be was, was pretty cool. I like that song. Oh, that's a great song. The first part was slow, but it really picked up and had this like fantastic crescendo into the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm glad you picked that as number... I mean, I wish it would have been a little bit higher for you, but... Whatever. Untitled is also my number 10. So we, oh. we match up there. So, And my favorite song is Ever Be as well. I think, like you said, the way that song builds and it kind of just gets fucking crazy at the end. I think it's great. Um, this album too was weird because it came after See You on the Other Side. So that that was weird in itself. They decided to only bring Atticus Ross to to produce it. And then David, the drummer, the original drummer, left the band before this record. So Brooks Wackerman from Bad Religion played drums on some songs. Jonathan Davis played on a few songs. And then Terry Bozio, who played with Frank Zappa for years, uh, played on the other songs. So, like, any of the super technical stuff is Terry Bozio. Like, Ever Be, that's him playing the drums. Okay. Or, like, uh, I Will Protect You. That was um, that was Terry Bozio. That It's fucking nuts. There, there's this really cool video of him recording his drum solo in I Will Protect You. And, like, he's using his big ass. You, you've seen his drum kit, right? Yeah. Like that big ass fucking thing, yes. and he uses that big hit for that uh, "I Will Protect You" song, and he uses like all the fucking drums in that song. It's fucking nuts. So, but, like, does yeah. I mean, just real quick, does, is is Brooks Wackerman like on any kind of realm like Josh Freeze would be, like any type like like that type of style? Like, is he good ever? Not like good, I shouldn't mean? say good ever, because we know like Josh Freeze can like do pretty much anything and do it yeah. at least good to great. Mm-hmm. But every time I hear like Brooks Wackerman filling in for various things, he's he's just he's good. 
Yeah, I think he's he to me is like Josh Free's light, you know. Okay. That's what that's kind of how I view Brooks. But although he he does kill it with uh, Avengers Sevenfold, he's been their drummer for a few years now, and um, they he put the last event Avenged record with his drumming on that was phenomenal. It was so good. I mean, he, so, is I mean, he like on the rev standards? Or yeah, oh yeah, Dang. dude, he's fucking good. Okay, yeah, he he really stepped it up and plays really well with Avenged Sevenfold. It's it's a good actually that record's pretty solid. Their newest right. record. Um, okay. but yeah, Untitled. There you go. That's my number ten as well. So we're not um, we're not too far off, right? So our 10, 11, and 12 are basically the same. Yeah, roughly speaking. But I, honestly, I don't know how the hell you put Paradigm Shift so high. Oh, you're not going to like how high I put shocking, it. It's shocking, dude. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're oh my God. be happy. <laughs> uh, well, you're number nine. I know what your number nine is. What? And that's going to be Take a Look in the Mirror. Oh, no, it's not. It's not? Oh, nope. okay. And I thought your favorite song was going to be Play Me. But that was the one with Nas. I thought you were gonna go. Well, it was kind of, it was cool because they had Nas come in. You know, I think I, know. I think I remember that song too, Mike. You could definitely tell that it was him. Oh yeah, it's, he stands out so much. Okay, no, my number nine. <sighs> you ready for this? I, I'm. I guess so. My number nine is Follow the Leader. What that low? Huh? Yeah. <sighs> yep. They uh, do this one. They really kind of like the songs really bled together in like 30 minutes. Really? There was like a solid 30 minute chunk where I just had no idea where songs even ended or began or anything. What? It was just one long fucking new metal shit. <laughs> and like they dove really heavy into the new metal sound here. And I just, yeah, no, man, did not, did not dig it at all. Wow. But my, but my favorite song is got the life on this one. Oh yeah, that I mean, of course, without a doubt. What do you think is the worst song on there? Uh, I didn't put a worst song. I don't even remember like any. Probably oh. like some of the stuff in the in like the latter half of the album. Okay, do you like the Fred Durst song? Like that one? No, that was a good one. Even though that song was very very cheesy and kind of dumb, and it wasn't even like dumb in a in a like a self deprecating way. It was just like, why, why did you do this? It's yeah. like the way he makes fun of Jonathan Davis the whole time and it's just it's just man, it's just kind of dumb. But it was fun. They um they uh they were touring they toured with Limp Bizkit a couple of years a few years ago. Or they played some shows and they were doing the thing where people could pick their set list, you know, they could vote. Yeah. Everybody voted for All in the Family because they were touring with Limp Bizkit and they refused to play it. Really? Yeah, they refused. They won't play it. They Why? will not play it live. <laughs> Because Jonathan was like, because Jonathan has said in interviews, like, it's just a stupid fucking song. It's embarrassing. I wish we never recorded it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he's like, I don't know. He said that that it was it was just them being so drunk and so fucked up that they thought it was a good idea. And he's like, this is what happens when you drink too much. You make stupid decisions. And you, that song was an example of that. So yeah, that's that's yeah, a, so. like a perfect like way to describe the, what that song sounds like. <laughs> They used to play it uh, live on the Family Values Tour 98 when they toured together. They play it live every night, but it's embarrassing. And they'd have both bands come out and play it. So they have two drum kits. West Borland would come out. Like 45 people on stage. And then just Fred and Jonathan going back and forth like a bunch of idiots. Oh, God. Um, So my number nine is Take a Look in the Mirror. I think it's a solid record still. It's the last one with the original lineup of the band. Um but it's they self-produced it, and you can kind of tell because this album, the songs, I 
this is one of those albums where the songs could bleed kind of all together. They kind of like all sound the same, like mix and production wise. And they, I don't know. And this is also like where Jonathan kind of changed his vocal style a little bit to like this growl that he does that he's done ever since, which I've kind of not been super, I've never, never really been a fan of, but, uh, but yeah, so let's take a look in the mirror. And my favorite song on this one is, uh, everything I've known. One of the singles. I love the, how catchy that chorus is. Okay. Top 10 corn song right there. Everything Whoa. I've known. Yeah. It's the way she goes, boys. <sighs> okay. Number eight, number eight, number eight, dude, I was way off on this one. <laughs> I put untouchables, man. Uh, number eight. Yeah, I really thought oh, you'd like barf. this album more. And I thought your favorite song was going to be Here to Stay. But you give that an honorable mention. So, Yeah, but it so wasn't that good. Oh, All right, number eight for reals is Corn 3. Okay, I thought that would be a little bit higher for you, but okay. I mean, it's it's almost it's in the middle, mm-hmm. right? There were parts of this album, and, and I hear it a lot too. And now, that, I mean, obviously Corn came out before, but I hear a lot of like Surge from, from System of a Down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the parts, I'm not a lot, but there were parts of this album that reminded me of like Surge singing, and and there was uh, there's a lot of cool riffage here, and and some other good stuff too, I guess. This was just mm-hmm. it, it was it wasn't bad, but like there were other albums that were worse than this one, so that's why this kind of falls into that middle part of just it was okay. But let the guilt go. I really liked how he singed in that one, mm-hmm. how he sang in that one, and that dune like like that bassline when he's saying "Let the guilt go" and like feel he's doing that weird bassline. Yeah, great. That was a good so one. Good. It's a great song. Did you like the drumming on that that album? Um, I don't remember. I didn't put it down, so maybe okay. not as much. I, I just I've had I've had issues with the drumming on that record, but I'll talk about it when I when I get to my pick. <laughs> um, what are we on eight? Right? Yeah. Number eight for me is the Path of Totality. I do love this record. I think this is a perfect album. Oh, uh, what do you? So everything from now on is <laughs> going to be a perfect album. Uh. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That's stupid. This is just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, no, because oh, I'll, I guess I'll get into it later. But uh, yeah, the Path of Totality is my number eight. This is their dubstep record. Uh, they had a bunch of cool producers come. They had Skrillex do a couple songs with them. Uh, Noisia, Bring the Noise, uh, Extension, and there's another guy too, but I can't remember right now. But yeah, so they, it's it's strictly kind of dubstep with some like rock guitar in it and. All the drums are programmed. Uh, Jonathan Davis, this is pretty much like a Jonathan Davis record. Like the band, the rest of the band didn't really want to do it, but he kind of like forced them to. And so the band gets some criticism for it because like this is kind of when it turned into the JD show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my favorite song is one of the bonus tracks on it and it's Tension. But a uh, runner up is Get Up. I love that song too. The Skrillex one. Yeah. Oh my God. That was the first single and. I was blown away when I fucking heard that song. Oh, it's so good. Get Up and Tension are great. Because in Tension, there's like this cool scatting part in the bridge. Did you listen to the bonus tracks or no? No. Unless they're already on like the Spotify thing. They were. They were on the the deluxe version of it, of the Spotify (coughs) album. No, then definitely not. Okay. Yeah, Tension was the last song. But yeah, so there you go. That's my number eight. Okay. And uh, Jeff's number seven. Uh, uh, Well, I was wrong on this one. Yeah, I put Remember Who You Are. So, yeah, what, I what? was totally wrong. What album was that one from? Oh, Corn 3. Uh, Corn 3, yeah. It's, oh, that's close, though. Yeah, it was close, but I was still wrong. And I I thought your favorite song was going to be uh, Holding All These Lies. Mm. I thought you would have really liked that song, but apparently not. Just let the apparently not, yeah. 
Okay, so what was your actual number seven? Uh, Path of Totality. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought that um, was going to be much higher. But. I think the concept is, is kind of goofy still, but uh, the album was fine. It flowed nice, and the songs were easy to get into. Mm-hmm. Catchy. Just, I mean, I think his vocals are great on that album, too. It was just unnecessary. It was unneeded. Didn't need it. I didn't need that much of it. Mm-hmm. But Get Up is, is definitely my favorite too. That's it seemed to be like the only song that had a good blend of the dubstep and actual corn music. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And remember when we uh the last corn concert that you went to um was them playing this album or a lot of the songs off this album and uh, at the Palladium, remember that? Yeah. And you loved it. You're like, "Fuck, dude, that was an amazing show. They put on a great fucking show, right?" Yeah. Cuz they fucking do. Um, but remember Skrillex came out and he played guitar on that song with him? Yeah, that was that cool That was so too. cool. That was rad. Short that was little time guy. Too, like we were like super into Skrillex, like really yeah. into it. And then he came out and just blew our minds. Did you know he was going to come out? <laughs> I figured he was going to be there because it was LA and it was like, kind of like the, it was this tour. So I kind of figured he was going to be there at least, but I didn't think he was going to actually come out and play guitar, you know, mm. but it was cool. It was cool, 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 man. Cool. Uh, uh, what are we seven? That was set. I haven't said my seven, right? Yes, correct. Okay, yeah, my number seven is the Nothing, their newest record. I think uh, this album is amazing. I I was just kind of like blown away when I heard it. I thought it was so fucking good. Uh, my favorite song on here is Finally Free. Um, and the whole context of the album and what happened to Jonathan Davis with his wife overdosing last year and just. I mean, you could just hear it in his voice. Like there are parts where he breaks down on this album and it's just, it's rough, but the songs are really well made and I think it's a, it's an amazing record. I highly recommend people to go check it out, especially for being their newest album, their 13th album and it being this solid. It's pretty remarkable, but yeah. All right. it's number seven. Number seven. What do you got for number six? Oh, I, I'll you tell you what I got. got for number six. I got, okay. So your number six, because you've talked so much shit on it. Is uh, but I think you've kind of come around on it. Is life is peachy? Okay, I think that's your number six, and your favorite song is going to be Twist, because you like when John does the scat vocals. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my that's my prediction. But okay. I've been proven wrong many times today. So yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> it's definitely not life is peachy. My number six is uh-huh. issues. Dude, what the fuck is wrong with issues. you? Like, why? How is the paradigm shift higher than all of this? Than issues. Two, there are two How albums. Is it higher than issues. That makes no fucking sense to me. <laughs> there are two it albums. No, it's like that so idiotic. It's so idiotic. Don't forget too, like you did not like Take a Look in the Mirror. Or you, <sighs> I guess you don't like it as much, but that 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 one is also higher than issues. I know. It makes no fucking sense, dude. The two yeah. albums I thought that you would dislike the most, you've I it just it, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love both of those albums, but it's just like to say that they're better than Issues. Come on, dude. And fall and better than Follow the Leader and Untouchables. Come on, dude. So we're You're so insane. we're we're getting into the realm of oh um, my god, almost dude, like you just say some stupid shit sometimes. <laughs> almost like minimum, probably like a two, maybe a two two five. I know it. So Issues wasn't bad. Issues is not a bad album. It's just not as good as I thought it was. And they're, they have other albums that are so much better than Issues. Like the Paradigm Shift, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Fucking knucklehead. 
Jesus I don't want to. I don't want to list the other ones because then I've just listed them in order, and then you even know what I have, <laughs> and we ruin all everything. Yeah, it just wasn't. It wasn't as good as I thought it was. But dude, like the intro to somebody, someone is still like probably my favorite part With of the, anything Corn's ever done. That the high guitar part, whatever that thing is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. That just like that just gets me because it's it's so soft and it's so kind of like calming, but it's also equal parts nostalgia mm-hmm. for me because I think that was like when I briefly was liking corn probably <laughs> in like that small, small window of my youth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Issues it is. And that's why you didn't, cause we were originally going to do issues as the album of the week. Yeah. The initial thing. And then Jeff, like three days ago, he's like, would it be too, is it too late to, to do the, to switch the album? <laughs> of the week? Like, no dude, it's okay. I'll rewrite the notes. It's not a big deal. I know everything about this fucking stupid band. So, um, but that so should have given you like an indication of my rankings because now you knew. That yeah, it, it I didn't did. like no, issues that much, and you know that the album that we're doing this week is my I'm, favorite one. I'm not necessarily concerned that you ranked it at number six. I'm more concerned that you ranked the paradigm shift and take a look in the mirror higher than issues and untouchables. Damn. That's that's what's concerning to me. It's not right. <laughs> it's not normal. It's abnormal. So. Uh, my number six though is uh, is remember who you are. Corn three, that's my yeah. number six. I this is the first record with their new drummer Ray Luzier. Uh, it was also the last record that they did with Ross Robinson. Their third and last record they did with Ross. Um, and they they said Jonathan Davis said I can't work with Ross anymore. He's like he said I love him to death, but I can't I can't make another record with him. He said. It was just, it was too straining on him. And like, it actually got him dependent on drugs again after this record. And like, you could see it, like you could see him kind of deteriorate a little bit. Like he lost a lot of weight and he had been sober for like 15 years or like 12, 12 years or something like that. And Ross put him through so much hell on this record that he, he kind of like his psychiatrist, like threatened to sue Ross for what he did. Cause he said like, he like undid everything that John had worked for, like wor- like worked on over the years. Ross had like t- taken it and just destroyed everything, and he he was so bad to where like Ross Ross wanted to make John Jonathan Davis so uncomfortable that the song um uh fuck I forgot what song it is but he had his wife Devin the one who passed away last year he had her come into the studio and have him sing that song in front of her because it was about her and how how it how she made him feel at times. So he made her stand right in front of him and like Weird. deal with it. Yeah, like he's dude, he's fucking intense, man. Anybody Bizarre. that's ever worked with Ross, talk about how intense he is. And most bands only work with him like once. Because they're they're like, it was great working with him and we got a great record out of it, but it's just it's too it takes too much toll on on people's mental states working with him. It's fucking <laughs> nuts. But I fucking love him. He's my favorite producer. But yeah, that was the last one they did. <laughs> um and uh, my favorite song is also a bonus song on this one. It's People Pleaser. Uh, but it, from the main album, I'd probably choose Fear is a Place to Live. I like the lyrics a lot in that. And I think it's very, very catchy as well. So, All righty. So you're number five, man. You're We're in the top five. five. Whoa. Yeah, We're in the top five. You, okay, so I mean, I'm wrong, but I was close. You know, I picked your number five as being uh, Issues. Okay. I thought your favorite song was going to be Make Me Bad. I thought... For sure, that was going to be your favorite on the record. All right, but so I mean, I, I was kind of close. Yeah, you're one off. Yeah, not too bad, but still, you're dumb for rating those other two albums higher. 
Uh, so what is your number five? Uh, my actual number five is The Nothing. I'm surprised it's so high. I like this one. I like this one a lot. It, it's great. It's a great album. I love it's it. It's just too, like right from the get-go, from the cool bagpipe intro, and then it went into that cool like new metal shindig. I just mm-hmm. I, I dug his hooks in me. I was hooked. That was it. Yeah. But my favorite song was Idiosyncrasy. Okay. That was, I, th- I was going to be my, my second pick for you. I thought either Harder or Idiosyncrasy. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was, that song's boss, man. It has like that little scat tease in mm-hmm. there. It wasn't yeah. too much. Just enough. I, it was good. This whole album was like better than I thought it was going to be, being it was their 13th album. Yeah. And John Feldman co-wrote one of the songs, too. Oh. Was it Idiosyncrasy? No, it was the last song. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the second to last. The last like real song. Not the outro song, but the last real song. He co-wrote it. And when they when they were demoing this, they were in LA or Monkey and Head were in LA and they, they went into the studio with Feldman and Travis Barker played the, the drums on the demos for some of the songs. Of course. So I'm really curious like what those demos sound like because they've never been released. But I'm really interested in what those demos in general sound like considering Feldman was there. Interesting. But yeah. And then I know Feldman went up to Bakersfield and hung out with Jonathan Davis at his studio for a while. Um to work on some stuff on this album, but there, this guy fucking has nasty little fingers and everything, huh? Would you have been I mad was, if my favorite song was the Feldy song? I would be a little upset. <laughs> I would be a little upset, but thank God it wasn't. I mean, it's not a bad song, but it's definitely one of the weaker tracks on it, but it's still good. But I don't know, man. I, I remember when, when they posted that they were in the studio with Feldman, I remember how like irritated I was thinking like, fuck dude, they're using their, they're using Feldman as the producer on this record. No, like, it's I was personal. Just, I was so bummed. I was. You don't know how bummed I was when I did saw he, that picture. Did he produce the whole thing? The whole album? No, 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 no. He only he he didn't produce any of the album. He just he has a songwriting credit on that oh, okay. one song, but he did a couple demos with them, and then they went to their to their guy Nick Rusiliex or whatever, and he did he did Paradigm Shift as well, or he did Serenity of Suffering as well. Mm-hmm. So, thank God they didn't use Feldman. Fuck, that would have been awful. But uh, what is that? Number five, right? Yeah. What number is five? your number five? What oh, is your, my what number is the five. First of your top five. Oh, dude, this is a classic one right here. This is a classic. What? Untouchables. Why, dude? I fucking love Untouchables. I think some of it might be like nostalgia too, like when it came out and just kind of what I was. I don't know. I was in high. I was freshman in high school. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. It was the. It was. It's a great album. But uh, my favorite song on here is the last song, No One's There. I love the way how like kind of eerie the song sounds and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and it gets super fucking loud and then it just like stops and then it goes back to like really soft playing. Like, I don't know. I love the way the song's set up and it, it grows. I guess. I love it. That was garbage. <laughs> You're garbage. Okay, so you're number four. Um, I already blew it. Because it's not, I put Untitled as your number four. I thought you'd like that one more because it sounded so different. Mm. And I put uh, Hold On as your favorite because that's a good song. I didn't think you'd like Everbeat, but I guess I was wrong. Interesting. <sighs> okay. So yeah, I was wrong. What is your number four? <laughs> my number four <laughs> finally, finally coming finally. up to my number four here is Paradigm funny. Shift. Fucking finally. What do you like about this album? I'm so, so curious. I mean, just right off the bat, Mass Hysteria that has the same tune as Metallica's that sanitarium song. Oh, it does, huh? Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, yeah, now that I'm a Metallica right. man, I, I know yeah. that one. After I converted you. But that song is good. I like that song. But uh, there's just, there's, it's weird because this is what I was talking about. There's very little like new metal 
for me to kind of get into, which I don't like because I want the new metal when I listen to Corn. Mm-hmm. But this one is like their pop album, I guess. Like this what? is there were just there were really what? strong melodies here. They had a lot of really strong melodies that wow. actually had like hooks that you could sing along to that were toe tapping, booty shaking. I'm but shocked. then they also had a lot of like hardcore stuffs in there. Huh. I mean, yeah, there's some there are definitely heavy points on this record, but it was weird. This was just like a weird album, but I thought that I don't know, man. It's just it was like it was fun and like they were singing and they were singing songs. <laughs> it wasn't just just weird grunting guttural noises and heavy slapping and shit like that. They were actually like trying to compose music for mm. I don't know, people that like music. It's weird because this album was right after Head rejoined the band and this is when Jonathan Davis had like kicked his drug habit again, like his pill popping habit. And he was he actually was away. Like he he didn't see anybody for like months and he didn't come into the studio to do anything with them. They had he had them send all of their tracks to him and then he just like put his vocals on it and then like copied and pasted stuff and then sent it back to them and said, That's it. That's how it's gonna be done. So, so this all. was very, very cookie cutter. It's all you need sometimes. I don't know, man. And you, you didn't mind the drums on this one? No. Oh, man. I have such an issue with their drummer. He overplays, man. He over he overplays a lot, especially with like the older songs with the original drummer. It, it gets very frustrating. He's not a very like groove-based drummer, and it kind of bothers me. Okay. And they're kind of like a more groove-based band, or they used to be. It's frustrating for me, at least. But uh, what, 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 number four, right? Wait, my favorite song. Oh yeah, your favorite song. Sorry, my bad. My favorite. You said Mass Hysteria. Bad. No, I just I, I just mentioned that as being the same oh. tune as as Sanitarium. Wait, is it uh, Never Never? That was my second favorite. I put that one as an honorable mention, but that's not my. Oh, favorite. That's my least favorite on that record too. Pray for me was my favorite song. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! Like dude, that was what a is going fantastic opener. I thought the Those screaming were, was good. The chorus was solid. The Some lyrics are so dumb, dude. He has a okay. So I mean, we'll get into it later. But he's got a he's, he's got a song. Y'all want a single? Fuck that! Like clearly the lyrics yeah, are, that, are no. Be I stupid. I know those song that yeah that's really dumb. But he says, "Pray for me." I think I owe you an apology, and it's it's just <laughs> <laughs> like those are my two least favorite songs on that album too. Never, never, and pray for me are my least two favorites. And I'm acting like I hate this album, which I don't. But you're just unbelievable, man. I don't understand you. <laughs> um, uh, my number four is uh, this one. This one dipped quite a bit for me, which I was surprised this week. But my number four is Follow the Leader. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a solid record, though. I love it. I love it to death. And my favorite song of all time is on it. And it's got the life. I mean, we've talked about this album plenty of times. We even did an episode on it, which is in the archives now. Nobody can hear it. But that's that's crazy. So like three for you is probably going to be issues and then self entitled and then life is peachy. Is it? I don't know. We'll see. I'm pretty damn sure that's what it is. I don't know, man. You're crazy. I don't know, man. Okay. Well, so your number three is um let's see, your number three oh, fuck I you already said this one, Path of Totality. Hmm. But it I I now it's probably take a look in the mirror, right? No. Dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> My number three is Life is Peachy. Take a look at the mirror. Is that high? Yeah. 
What the fuck? Let's let me, let's let, let's get into here. here the, the I'm sorry, his life is peachy as this high. Yeah, I <clears throat> like this was a start of when I thought maybe we shouldn't do issues. So after I listened to Life Is Peachy, I was like, dang, this stuff, like this early stuff is really good. And then that, that's when I kind of planted the seed of maybe we shouldn't do issues. And then it got into Follow the Leader, and I was like, okay, maybe we definitely shouldn't do issues. And then I listened to issues, and I was like, we are for sure not doing issues. <laughs> Because sure I, I, I I just nuts. I just got more and more scared. But dude, Life of Peach is good. It's it's it is. Maybe I'm just in like new metal mode. I don't know. This past couple of weeks, but there's a lot to digest here in this in this album and my other two higher ranking albums. But um, I they just got better. Like in their musicianship, they got better from yeah. like self entitled, but still kind of kept that vibe. It was like a good middle ground of of enough new metal to be kind of new metal and corn, but also enough to be like their self entitled stuff where it's just fucking heavy, like metal stuff. Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. No, but, it does. It, it does. I'm just but there's, um, I'm happy you like this album this much. <laughs> talked so much shit on it. Even when we did, we did this album in a forgotten episode too. And you, you, you kind of praised it when we did it, but then like a week after that, you're like, I'm fucking sucked. There's nothing <laughs> I liked on it. I was bullshit. I was dumb. I think there are 12, it was either 12 or 15, I can't remember, but there's either 12 or 15 corn songs that I put on a like specific new metal type playlist. And were they all from the first two records? No, no, no. I bet you put Pray For Me on that playlist. Of course, right? yeah, you absolutely. But um, <sighs> Swallow was my was my favorite song from oh, Life is Peachy. Yeah. It's got like this easy melody and it's kind of funky with the bass line. Mm-hmm. But very very close second was I really really like Porno Creep. Oh, the instrumental. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. That bass line and the drums in it. Oh, it's so good. Both bangers. Song. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, my number three is uh, is issues. Yeah, I know. issues. My number three. That one. It was such a departure from their first three records. Like it just completely came out of left field and. Brendan O'Brien produced it and he's a fucking amazing producer as well. And they've talked like they were all fucked up except for John. That was the first album they did where John was sober. Jonathan Davis was sober and um, everybody else was still like drug addicts and drunks and out of control. But I guess like Brendan O'Brien like kept it together and like he didn't let them party as much. Like he said, we have to get this shit done. We have to work now. And it was a great record. There's a lot of cool interludes and um, yeah, man, it's, I, I, I love the album to death and my favorite song is the last song and that's dirty. I, I love his vocals on that song. I think the melody is great. The, the instruments are great. It's not the best drum performance on it, but I think I love the way that song builds too. It has, it has a great way of just like crescendoing and it's great. I love it. Issues so number three. Yep. So you're number two, Jeff. Let's see. Yeah, I was wrong on this one. Follow. I had follow the leader as your number two. Man, dude, I fucked up. What did you have as my... Oh, so you had... I had number two as your... I had Follow the Leader as your number two. What did you originally have as my number one? What do you mean? Before I told you what my number one was. Oh, I I, I thought it was going to be Issues. Oh, okay. I thought Issues was... And then, yeah. So that quickly okay. changed. Yeah, my actual number two... <laughs> well, you know what it is because I told you my number one. But my actual number two is Take a Look in the Mirror. <laughs> okay. What what is it about this one that you like? You know, I just it's weird too because I think it's a fun album. I I had a good time listening to it. I think it's fun. 
I think the songs are they're all okay to good. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. really like great or mind blowing here. Mm-hmm. But I think everything's just it's just a fun album. And then I started like reading about it too and how much like they don't like it. Yeah. It's and they like fucking hate their... it and they're like embarrassed by it. <laughs> I, just... yeah, I know. <laughs> this is like the darkest this is the darkest time for the band. This is the last album with the original lineup. Head left like shortly after the tour because he was such a meth head. Like the band were like on the verge of breaking up. They were about to kick Fieldy out of the band. Like it was just it was bad. It was a bad time to for the band. So and you think it's like you poppy not poppy what did you say it was what you no say? that was fun that was no you just said it was fun yeah it was fun that's insane that's it's funny that you'd even think that but let's do this now is my favorite that that one was the okay. most fun i loved it It had some really cool instrumentation but i don't even give a shit dude y'all want a single fuck that that's a banger i like it they play that song live still it's so good did you watch the video by any chance no I didn't know yeah they go video. is it a good video it's they go into like a like a warehouse music and they just did with like baseball bats and they just destroy the entire store. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. I thought you might like it, but I guess not. <laughs> but uh yeah. And then so my number two. What do you think my number two is? Uh self entitled. That's what I think. You think number two is. Yeah. It's not self entitled, it's life is peachy. Dang Life is peachy. It, I mean, dude, the the two first two records with Ross Robinson, dude, you just can't you can't fuck with them. They're they're perfect albums and um spoiler they're perfect albums um oh god and uh yeah you said like the past 10 are perfect albums (laughs) (laughs) no but these are like these are like beyond perfect perfect yeah these are there's a realm after perfect and that's where these two albums sit they sit in there but um yeah life is beachy man that and like how the the kind of story behind it like they they came straight off the road like they had no time to write they they wrote everything in the studio at indigo ranch with ross and um there's some really cool footage of them recording this album uh which i thought was i've watched ever since i was a kid i just loved it and then like a few years ago somebody released um like uh footage of them recording the song chi but it was just david playing recording the drums for chi and it just like gave me this whole new respect for like him as a drummer. I think he's just, dude, David is so underappreciated and it it kind of sucks, especially now considering like their new drummer, Ray, he is a phenomenal drummer, but he's very kind of like stick to the books and like he doesn't really, I don't know. I, David was just like groove, like straight up groove. And it really shows on Life is Peachy and I love that. But my favorite song was a B-side from this. It's my second favorite corn song of all time. Dang. And it's called Proud. It was on the it was also on the soundtrack for uh, I know what you did last summer. But uh <laughs> but yeah, it was the B-side from Life is Peachy and it, Proud. And it was also on their greatest hits album. They put on their greatest hit or no, Live and Rare, that that record, which is on Spotify too. But uh yeah, it's a great that's a great fucking song. Uh but if I had to go with the main album, I'd go with Chi. Chi is like I said because of that drum video. Okay. It's, she is just what David does on the drums is insane, and Jonathan's voice on it is just so chaotic. And coming off of Twist, it's the second song, and it comes off of Twist. It's just like you're constantly getting like hit in the face with like loud music. It's great. I fucking love it. But that's my number two, man. So then that leaves us with, I guess, the same number one, right? Yeah, both of us. That's crazy. So what is it? What do we? What's your number one? It's their first self-entitled, the one we're doing. 
All right, Corn formed in 1993 in Bakersfield, California, by James Monkey Schaefer on guitars, Reggie Fieldy Arvizu on bass, Brian Head Welch on guitars, David Silveria on drums, and Jonathan Davis on vocals. They currently have 13 albums, three EPs, three live albums, one demo, and have sold well over 35 million copies worldwide. <laughs> but the album we're doing today, if you didn't already know, is the self-unentitled album, their first album. It is their debut record. Uh, just repeating myself now. Yep. Uh, it was released October 11th, 1994. It features the original lineup, like I just said above, or before, uh, and it sold over 10 million copies worldwide, and it remains the most influential album of the new metal genre. I mean, just plain and simple. It does. Right, Jeff? I mean, I would go even further to say this started the new metal genre. Yeah. Yes, it did. Making it the most influential. So, there you go. Some little backstory on this album. Um, but what are your initial thoughts? What is, what is, what's, what's going on with you on this album? <clears throat> I'm shocked that this is your number one. This is your favorite Korn album. This is your favorite album of all time. I'm shocked. <sighs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> can you can you hear the dogs barking right now? No. Oh, okay. Like, do you want my initial thoughts before I listen to all of their albums, or do you want my initial thoughts after well, I listen to all their albums and then chose this one as my favorite? Why don't we do both? Both. Both of them, okay. Both. So going into this, I mean, I don't know why. I, maybe I was in a good mood or, or inebriated or something, but I, <laughs> we, I did want to do all of the Korn albums. Shocking. Probably mostly just so I can have ammunition to to shit talk your love for corn. Yes. Because the only time point. somebody does research is just so they can they can get more knowledge to to prove somebody else wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. That's why that, that's why we learn things in, in life. But um mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't know why I wanted to do it, but for some reason I thought issues was gonna be my favorite because we did follow a leader and I didn't really like it all that much. We did Life is Peachy, I didn't really like it all that much. We did Serenity of Suffering, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. And so I was like, well, Issues, I know at least two or three songs, and I really like those songs. Maybe Issues will be my favorite. And then that's why I thought Issues was going to be my favorite. And then listening through this, after Life Was Peachy, I realized that this this album that we're doing, they're self-entitled, is probably going to be my favorite album. Like, it was that early on. And then as it it went from there, it was hard because I kept finding myself comparing every other album to this one. And I was like, yeah. you know what? That's not really fair. I shouldn't do that. I should kind of judge them on their own. And that's why I listed some of their shittier albums so high was because I tried not to compare it to this one because there's just no fucking way. Like, you can, like, this one and Life is Peachy are very similar, but Life is Peachy, like I said, kind of bridged that gap between this sound and then the new metal sound we know of Corn. Yeah. But I don't know, man. This one just, like, immediately got me. And I, I really love when bands release. I mean, I shouldn't. But I, I really like when the first song that you hear from a band is like mind blowing. Like we mm-hmm. did last week with Rage. Like the first thing you ever hear from Rage was like, it was Bomb Track. Yeah. And that intro to Bomb Track, I mean, overplayed as it is, like it's so fucking good. It's so iconic. It's so great. And then Corn comes up, and their first song that you hear is just that little intro, and it's just like the, the hi hats hitting a little bit, and I mean, we'll get into Blind a little bit more, but. Dude, like, that's just like mind blowing from these guys. I just yeah. cannot believe like this was the first introduction to the world had. That didn't make sense, but that, <laughs> no, that was the first introduction <laughs> we had to corn. Yeah, officially. 
it's crazy, man. It's, 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 it's it, for it's their debut record. It's it's pretty remarkable. Again, they got no business doing music like this. This good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm happy that you. I'm so happy that you like this album as much you, as you did. It's, did it. It's amazing. It's an amazing record. And, you know, my thing with Corn was that the first song I ever heard from them was "Got the Life." I heard it on K Rock when I was in sixth grade. Uh, sixth grade, yeah. And I just I fucking loved it. And then I just listened to K Rock all day for it to come back on. And this was right before Issues had come out, and I had my cassette ready to record it and I recorded it when it came on like three hours later and I just listened to it over and over and over again and then eventually I took another tape and I recorded the song like five times on one on one side of the tape so it would just play over and over again so I would have to rewind it after every time I listened to it so I just fucking was obsessed with them ever since then and I've just you followed that I followed them so closely I've seen the band in every lineup they've ever had um, even when Joey Jordison played drums with them, that was really cool for me because he's one of my favorite drummers. If you don't know who he is, he's the drummer. He used to be the drummer for Slipknot. Um, and he toured with them. He was their touring drummer for like a year and I was lucky enough to see him play with them. So that was really cool. But yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen them in every lineup, the original lineup. It was, it was great. Um, but you know, the first album I got from them was follow the leader and then I got issues and then, and then I got the, this first record, the untitled self and untitled. And I was just, I remember just being absolutely fucking blown away. I was, I, it was in seventh grade and I just, it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never heard anything like it. And I still, to this day, I've never heard anything like this first album or really anything like Corn. Like, nobody sounds like Corn. It's so strange. Like, so many bands have tried, but nobody does. And, um, it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. And, and, the, and my, my, uh, my ex girlfriend, Jessica, you know, Jessica, her favorite band for a long time when we were kids was some, she loved some 41. And I remember, and she was like, whatever about corn. And I remember I like, I gave her, I let her borrow. I didn't give her, I let her borrow my, <laughs> this corn CD, the first one. And she just came back and she was instantly a fan and she was her favorite band. And she was just like, she became just as obsessed as I was with the band. And even after her and I broke up, we're still friends. And even after then her and I would go to corn concerts together. Like even you went with us once or twice, I think. But yeah, yeah like her and I, we, we've been to fucking probably 10 corn shows together over the years you know but i mean i we don't go anymore but yeah it's just dude they're fucking great and this first record is it's my favorite album ever made i i don't think there's an album better than this corn record this is your favorite album of all time favorite album of all time there's nothing better than this album not even come doesn't even come close to this album that's phenomenal i mean there's so much to it there's so much depth to this album there's so much that goes on and how it was recorded and oh my god this launched ross robinson's career was this album and dude it's fucking nuts it's crazy it's so good it's so good (laughs) are there any stinkers for you on this album um no there are no stinkers there's almost a stinker what is it better not be Um, my favorite oh fuck now i lost it because i wrote oh it was predictable really yeah that was almost a stinky stink there but um (laughs) it was I mean, like this part of the album, there's a predictable and fake. It just, it was too like, almost like Pearl Jam soundy kind of, and it was slow and a little bit mm-hmm. whiny. And it was just, it was kind of whatever. I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. Jonathan on this album, this is the only album where he kind of sounded like, like a grunge band or like a grunge singer, like, like Alice in Chains or Pearl Jam or something like that. It was weird, but he kind of, he quickly dropped that thankfully. 
Yeah. Still. I mean, the whole like new metal scene itself was always kind of the butt of jokes and still is sometimes rightfully so right i mean oh the, yeah, most the of fashion, new metal sucks the fashion of new metal was was some of the worst we've ever seen from anybody yes, any kind correct. of genre of music but well uh, hair metal was pretty bad dude fashion okay, new metal fashion guys wise. extremely baggy clothes dreads adidas track suits jinko jeans like dude, what are you guys doing bad if they're done right no what are you doing <laughs> terrible i fashion. always wanted dreads i always wanted dreads no, 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 no. Terrible. I fashion. always wanted them. But then, like, <laughs> I mean, there's like, there's, there's so much that I, that, that I can't fucking talk. I clearly. Jesus. I downed that cold beer already because it was gross. I just chugged it. And oh, that's gross. Why would I, you do that? I haven't eaten so I can, like, feel like the jitters in my hands. <laughs> like, I'm like at Parkinson's or something. <laughs> no. I can feel it. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? What, what do you want to do? Um, I mean, so what. So since there are no stinkers, um, what, what's your what's your favorite song in here? What, what are your bangers? What do you got? Let me just what go through real quick. I'm going to say the songs I don't want to talk about at all. Okay. <laughs> Predictable, fake, and then Home in the Bush. Home, okay. I, that's fine. I, we don't have to talk about that. Let's see. I, just, I didn't really care for it. They were just, meh, whatevers. I could huh. I could do without them. Okay. Fair enough. We we won't we'll refuse to talk about those. And we if we have time we can, but there's just uh, everything else I want to talk about way more. Okay, let's get into it, man. So Wait, what's the first thing you want to talk about? Let's start from the top. Let's start with Blind. Blind? Okay. Blind is a banger. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And this is the only song that was written from people from outside of the band. So this was originally a song from Sex Art, which was John Jonathan Davis's uh band right before Corn, before they they sniped they they got him out of sex art. They kind of stole him from sex art. Um, and he was in the band with the now singer for Edema, right? Yeah, uh, Ryan Shuck. Is that his but name? He, yeah, Ryan Shuck is actually he's he's most well known for being the guitarist for uh, Orgy. Orgy, that's a yeah. He was in Orgy too. forever, and he was pretty much one of the reasons why they got signed by Korn's record label, Elementary Records, back in ninety seven, ninety eight, was because of Ryan Shuck because he's friends with Jonathan. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, Ryan Shuck and Dennis Shin, they, they, they were actually the ones who like wrote parts of this song, uh, in sex art. And then Jonathan brought the song along to Korn and then Korn, the guys in Korn kind of rearranged stuff and wrote other parts. So solid, dude. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fucking banger. It's just what like, a way to open an album, like you said, or open up a concert with that. They don't really open their concerts with that song. They kind of end their concerts with the, with it, which is kind of weird, but this is know. like a perfect opener. Like you would think, right. But they actually, they, they always open their encore with blind. Oh, okay. Yeah. They'll, they'll open it with blind and then they'll, they'll like end their entire show with falling away from me. Usually. I like how corn also takes their time, takes their time with these, with these instrumentals and almost like with their, their discography too they just take their time and just kind of putter along sometimes <laughs> but like the intro to blind it's so exaggerated and it's so slow and it just takes a long time to get going but mm-hmm. like that's that's the beauty of the intro right it's like the journey not the destination type thing like oh that's what makes me love it so much yeah it's because it's at that slow build-up and it the back and forth guitars and all that kind of stuff and it's this it's like layer upon layer upon layer, but they don't all play at the same time. And so like people will come in and then it'll stop. But like you constantly hear, just hear that, that 
mm-hmm. cymbal hit and it's yeah it's perfection it's so good it is and also um these this is like the first like rock song or at least popular rock song uh to ever use the 808 beat that that doom that very bassy um uh bass drum you know that's used in hip-hop all the time yeah no rock band had ever used that in one of their songs and but corn was the first david used that just in the beginning or he uses it through the whole song actually the 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 808 beat but yeah i I have always liked that too he's but he's utilized that his entire career the 808 drum so uh, that's kind of cool too and then feel this bass on it like that doom boom 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 and then oh it's so good another thing they do too (sighs) like you can hear it here and and what they're not afraid to to do which i appreciate in music also is like silence like pauses and Mm -hmm. just having nothing playing at times to make I don't know to like make you feel uncomfortable almost or I don't know why people do it but I just I love it I think it's so great mm-hmm. when you're listening to music and there's no music being played yeah and Corn, they, not, everybody stops never at been the afraid same time. to do it like they do it all the time mm-hmm. and it's not just like a like a pause for like half a beat or a whole beat they'll pause for like a solid couple seconds yeah <laughs> and they'll, they'll, just, they'll just fucking throw it in there like wherever they want and it just makes no sense but it just it works mm-hmm. and like Jonathan Davis some of the things he does, like for instance, he'll breathe halfway through a line where you know he can just finish that line, but he takes a breath mid line for some reason. And even that alone, that kind of like break in the music is weird and it's kind of like off putting, but I, I loved it. I thought it was so great. It gives you more of like a, like a, for lack of a better word, but like an organic feel to the entire thing, to the song or the album, because it's like, most people would cut that out or they'd have them like redo the verse to make it so that breath wasn't in there or whatever, you know? Right. But, but Ross was always there to, to be unsettling and to, to get not the worst out of everybody, but like the most raw emotion out of everybody he could. So I've, I've, that's one reason. I mean, I've, I, I speak so highly of that guy because I think what he did with this band was just, it just it has never been done before. You know, it, it's fucking crazy. But, uh, yeah. Like that breathing and, was in, in in the song Need To is when he breathes. He does that weird, like, inhaling of, of yeah. breathing. And then, like, when he's screaming why in that song. Oh, I love it. And he's like, <gasps> like, that whole thing is just, <laughs> yeah. it's just so weird. And it's just so, like, eerie. And I hate to, like, peg them as, like, a gimmicky type of thing. But, like, it's almost like, it 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 is almost gimmicky. But because because of the time that it came out and like really nobody else sounded like this or ever will sound like this, yeah, is it really a gimmick or is everyone else trying to be like corn? Everybody, gimmick? yeah, everybody's trying to be like the corn gimmick. Like they're trying to replicate what corn did on this record or did on the first two records. It's always it's always people trying to do that. That's exactly what it is. But that's hard to get over. Right? It's hard to get over because corn. They, I mean, they were new metal. The only other band you could consider to be up next to corn would be like Limp Bizkit. Or Slipknot, early Slipknot. But Slipknot, they had good metal music, like better metal yeah. music than a lot of metal. I, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of metal, but Slipknot's better metal band than most metal bands that I've listened to. Yeah. But like or Deftones too. No, oh, dude, Deftones are garbage. <laughs> they are garbage. <laughs> uh. But dude, I don't know, man. Corn is just—they get this this bad rap for me too. I mean, a lot of the music is pretty stupid and silly. And hey, man, you enjoyed yourself. 
I did. I had a good time. <laughs> oh man, but blind. Um, you know what they've always done really well, especially back in the early days too, was the the back and forth guitars. You know, one playing the high part, the other playing the low part. Um, and they've always cited that that influence from Mr. Bungle. I mean, you've heard of Mr. Bungle, right? Yeah. So I mean that that was always that was like one of their biggest influences was was Mr. Bungle, Pantera, and Faith No More. Those are like the big three for them that influenced their music the most, which is an interesting group, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've gone back and listened to Mr. Bungle over the years, and I can I can hear the influence, but there's there's no way there's no there's no like ripping off of Mr. Bungle that they do. It's just you could hear the influence, but it's not like a straight ripoff, which I, I, I appreciate, you know, like, man, dude, they're just fucking good. They're so good. Their, and, their music videos for this album were all pretty terrible. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, three <laughs> of them were essentially performance videos, you know, blind was, a, was a performance video, which was kind of cool to watch. Cause they were playing in like a chain reaction size club or smaller than that. And then, you know, Shoots and Ladders was just them playing at a miniature golf course. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, we're going to use the word, the the other F word. Should we just say it? I mean, that's... We're I, saying I think, it in the context I, I, of the song. But it's important because of how Jonathan Davis perceived that word and how it related to him and his yeah. life. And so I think it's important. Yeah. And we've all said it in the past because it wasn't so taboo as it is now, but the word faggot. It's one of the songs on the record, but they, they did make a video for that. And that was a, a performance video as well. Clown was the only one that had like a treatment for it, but, but that was still, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool to watch them play because they look so cool. They never look cool. Dude, they looked really cool. This era You're of the band, oh, God. they looked so cool. This era and uh, Life is Peachy, they looked really cool. Damn, they were cool. And I bought my, my, my white seven string Ibanez to match Head's white seven string Ibanez from the early days of corn except i'm not gonna stick it because i've always wanted a white ibanez like like heads because heads always been one of my top guitar players ever and i've always wanted a seven string like his so that when i bought my seven string it had to be white and it had to be an ibanez so you know i, I was i was thinking about this week when the time that i met head <sighs> I, he's the only member i've never met i met everybody else all the touring members i've met everybody but head never met the guy but like two things. One, why were you not there? And why was I there by myself? Was I there by there myself? There was one. Yeah, you went to Nam one day by yourself. I couldn't go for, I don't remember why I couldn't go that day. But you went and you met Head and you met Pat Wilson from Weezer. Yeah. I and you met, met Scott Head. Schreiner too. You met Scott too. No, no, no. You met Scott. You met Scott Schreiner, but you and I met Pat. Yeah. Well, we saw Pat walking around and, and like he was That's, just by himself and then we approached him and we're like hey dude are, yeah. you, are you pat and he's like yeah like oh let me talk to him but then i had scott schreiner the bass player for weezer i had him autograph the green album that had mikey welsh on the cover oh but he was totally cool about it he was really cool <laughs> that's cool but yeah i mean the only reason why i met head and i waited in line to meet head was because i know that you wanted to meet him and so i figured hey i'm just gonna fucking meet him that way i can send you a picture <laughs> and make you jelly Otherwise, I never would have waited in line to meet him. I know. You're a jerk. Yeah, for sure. Never met the fucker. Never yeah. met him. Oh, man. But, but um, oh, okay, yeah, so going back to the, to the, to the um, I guess we're done with Blind. Uh, yeah, or, or we could talk about the ending, the, the outro. That's actually a um, Cypress Hill uh, beat from the song 
with the whatever Cypress Hill album we did last, one of the songs on that album from Black Sunday. Yeah, from Black Sunday. The, that that beat at the end, the bass line at the end of Blind, is a song from that that Cypress Hill album. Oh, yeah, it's a direct. We even talked about it on the Cypress Hill episode. I talked about it at least. But anyway, yeah. So I guess we, I mean, do you want to move on to Ball Tongue? Yeah, because Ball Tongue is my favorite. Well, it's my second favorite song on this record. Oh, what about the Beavis and Butthead thing for Blind? Oh, okay. oh yeah. So they, they were featured on that. Uh, it was like a minute and a half. It was funny. It was typical Beavis and Butthead. It was, it was when Beavis and Butthead would show you a video and then talk over it. And yeah. then condense the video into like a one and a half minute segment. Yeah. Did you but like I actually it? have, yeah, I, I have the Beavis and Butthead DVDs, the, the trilogies. Mm-hmm. And um, that's on their first one. And I remember when I first got the those DVDs, you know, like a decade ago or something. I remember I used to skip over that music video because I never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it was cool. It was. It's like you can find it on YouTube. Like Jeff said, it's like a minute and a half. It's a fun little watch. Uh, ball tongue, ball tongue, man. Let's get into that. Yeah. Okay. That bass heavy though, dude. This is I. David's drumming on this and Fieldy's bass playing are my favorite part of this song. And that's not to discount anything else because everything else is so fucking great. Like the two guitar playing, like the, the Halloween sounds that they're like making with their guitars. Like this is like next level Tom Morello shit. Like Tom Morello wouldn't even come up with something this like dark and weird, you know? Yeah. And then Jonathan's vocals on it are just fucking insane. That's, um, is that head doing the background vocals? Yeah. So that yeah. back and forth that they do, that's well, John, John's John's the one doing the scat vocals, and then head's doing the other stuff. Okay, because yeah. that that back and forth, it, it reminded me of like two people arguing while like strung out, like the yeah. ball tongue lore. From what I read, this th- like that's what it sounded like. Two people just fucking arguing because it was so sloppy and it was so like dumb mm-hmm. yeah but i liked it, it i love it too it's it's chaotic and like it like it sounds like a schizophrenic person you know like they're they're just they're hearing vo- it's like them hearing voices in their head and they're just like yelling back at them like that's what like to me like the ball tongue part is them is the, the schizophrenic voice yelling at them and then the scat vocals are like the person like going crazy in real life you know just hearing the screaming in their head that's kind of like how i've always viewed it and I mean, it, the way they've talked about like how this song was written, like it was written after uh, one of the this guy from Underground Chicken Sound, which was a studio in Huntington Beach. It's where the band used to play all the time. But um, but yeah, it was one of the guys there. They they nicknamed him Ball Tongue because they would uh, Jonathan Head and this guy Ball Tongue. They would all do meth together, and then the guy would try to speak or try to talk, but he nothing would ever come out. But he tried so hard, but he couldn't talk. And they said the tip of his tongue looked like a ball. So they nicknamed him Ball Tongue, which is fucking weird. But yeah, the song is pretty much just about them being all fucked up on meth. And they recorded it all fucked up, too. Or Jonathan sang it, you know, super fucking high on meth. Too. That's what I read, too, that he wrote this song while he was high and recorded it while he was high. Yeah. It's because weird. I got high. <laughs> it's weird, but it's a... Should we play a little bit of it and then talk about it some more? Or what there's, do you want to do? there's so many parts that are really cool because the intro is really cool. But then the, the last time JD, you hear his like vocals, he's doing like this weird, like it's it's like he's freaking out. 
Mm-hmm. It's like he's just like paranoid and just freaking out, and then the song kind of just ends. And I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. It is. And then there's the one part where it's just like it's just the it's like the bridge. It's toward the end. Of, it's at the end of the bridge, and Fieldy just hits the bass and goes doom, and it just kind of like you kind of hear him like slide his finger up the fretboard, and then it just breaks back into the to the chorus. Like I, I, I love that so much. It's such a nice little touch to the to the song, and it just really makes it. I don't know. It's great. Uh, so here's um here's a little bit of a uh, ball tongue. There you go. There, there's there's some of ball tongue. It sucks because like the way I unfortunately like it only plays like one side of the song for me on the pod, so you can't hear the other guitar playing. But there's other stuff going on too. And yeah, ah, oh, yeah. man, oh, there's that bass part. Love it. But uh, mm. solid fucking song, dude. I love it, man. It's second best song on this record for sure. Ooh, it is. I mean, you don't agree with that? Um. <laughs> No, no. Okay. I mean, uh, I mean, it's still the banger for me. I listed it as a banger, and I added it to my playlist. Yeah, too. And then that ba- the bass playing during the verses too. Oh my god, dude! It, it's it's so groovy. This song is like one of the grooviest songs on this record, and one of the grooviest things they've ever done. Like, what were they thinking? <laughs> how how do you make music this good and not really understand how you're doing it? Like, I don't, I don't know. I agree. I don't know, man. Uh, do you want to get into the next song, or what do you want to do? Uh, the next song, Need To, that one's, I listed that one as okay. Okay. 
I, I mean, I don't mind talking about it because there's some there's some good in there, and the bass in this one is really fucking heavy too, and it's mm. got that like slappy noise. Yeah, the clicking. It, it's just, it. It, but it goes along so well with the bass drum that you don't. It's not irritating because it's just he's like like you said he's using it as another percussive instrument, so it's like two things at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It works so well. It's it's insane. It's like another instrument, you know. But and it's kind of one of the things that I feel like the band has lost over the like the last ten years is Fieldy's bass playing. Like they turn him really low in the mix, and he's you can't hear his clacking as much. And not only that, but the new drummer Ray, as good as he is, he doesn't complement Fieldy as well. I feel because um, he's not as groove he's not as like groove bass as David was. So I, that's always been my fault with the new with Ray. I don't know. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But yeah, need to. It's um, the guitar bands on this one really get me too. Yeah, it's it's a really love weird, it. really weird guitar sound and tone too. Like it's super crunchy. It's a very very crunchy tone, even for those high notes. And um, yeah, it, I, part of the song was taken from one of their uh, their demos from their their demo Niedermeyer's Niedermeyer's Mind called Alive, and that song Alive was actually re-recorded back in 2004 for Take a Look in the Mirror, or 2003, whenever that fucking album came out. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's cool, man. They, they they lifted, I think, like the chorus from Alive and put it in Need To or something like that. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, should we get should we get some more into the lyrics on this song or should we reserve the lyrics for some of the other songs which are like pretty dramatic? I mean, yeah, this song, again, this song was good, but... There's two bangers coming right after it that I would much <laughs> rather get into. Okay, let, let's get into the next two. So we got Clown. It's their fourth song, fourth single. Um, it has like that that weird that that intro of them talking in the studio and fucking around, not knowing what to do next. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> Pretty authentic. Yeah this this song too like the the tone like that heavy heavy fuzz and. Mm-hmm. It's just so dirty, and these these guys were dirty, and this song like <laughs> perfect is perfect for this band. Yeah, I think this is my favorite song. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool. Like the this is another example of the band doing the back and forth really well with the because you have Fieldy. I mean, not Fieldy. You have Monkey playing the the low part that do 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 do, and then you have Head doing that that screeching sound like on the E string or something like that the high E string, like it's super like, it's just scratchy. That's like, that's the only word I can use for it. I don't know, man. It's just. There, yeah. There's, I mean, you're right. There, there are a lot of things going on in this, like the riffage that's going on in the verse. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's perfect. It's, it's great riffage, but then he has to add that last note screech yeah. to it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what? Like, why, why did you, <laughs> why did you think to do that? Why did you think it would be a good idea? And why is it fucking phenomenally? Why, perfect? And why does it sound so good? Yeah. And then even Fieldy, like what I what I respect so much about Fieldy's playing on the early records is that he doesn't just play along with the guitars. If you notice that, especially on Life Is Peachy, he 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 plays with David, the drummer. That's what he yes, does. Like like constantly, he constantly plays. Like they're so they're so bonded and they're so in the pocket with one another. I there are very few bands that that sound as their rhythm section sounds as good as those two those two do you know it's, it's just so like, weird but it for it, it, and it's weird too because like he doesn't because he doesn't play same as the like what the guitarists play like it still sounds so good like it adds such a cool touch to the song 
I don't know, man. It, I, maybe it's because the guitars are seven stringed and they're they're tuned lower than normal. So maybe that kind of makes up for the the low end. I I don't know. I I really don't know. But it's just the way that they write. They used to write was just was so interesting. They I were think. just they were so in sync with each other, especially the bass and the drums. And yeah. I mean, just from the brief things that I read after David left, he. He didn't like anyone except for Monkey. Yeah, Monkey. Yeah, yeah. And head. But Monkey and Head. Yeah. But he like went out to go out of his way to call Fieldy like a punk ass bitch or something. Oh no, him and Fieldy hated each other. But that's so and, bizarre. Yeah, and you know it's they because in uh, in Fieldy's book because I've read because Fieldy has a book and then Head has two books, um, and Fieldy's book he talks about like the moment where David and and himself like stopped liking each other. And it was before their first record even came out. He said that they got in a fight with each other, uh, like during band practice and they were so drunk, but they don't, he doesn't remember what the fight was even about, but he said ever since that, that one fight, they were never the same after that. That's so weird. Yeah. But yet they played so well with one another. It's super, super weird. Even yeah. Like David, fucking hates fieldy calls him out all the time and maybe i remember maybe like how good they are stemming from this this like um this competition type of thing maybe yeah. and maybe before the fight they weren't this good and because of the fight they ended up being this good maybe yeah because huh. it, it could just I be mean, bizarre it, like how in tune they are like 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 a mark and tom type of thing how they're so mm-hmm. they complement each other so damn well they do it's remarkable i mean yeah, it, remarkable. it's to the point that they hate each other so much. I remember seeing an interview with uh, with Fieldy a few years after David left the band, and um, and like he, Fieldy's kind of cool in the sense that ever since the beginning of the band, he's collected every single piece of merch or memorabilia of Corn, and he has it displayed in his house somewhere. Like he has fucking everything. It's pretty crazy his collection of Corn stuff. And uh, and I remember he and he was doing an interview in one of the the rooms in his house. And there were pictures of like the the band before David had left the band, and all the pictures of David had his face blacked out. Like, oh my feel gosh, he had dude, purposely like on. blacked out David's face. Yeah, that's so petty. It's really fucking petty. But yeah, he <laughs> just they hate each other. Even like recently, like David, David's talked so much shit. Like last year, like especially or two years ago, he talked so much shit on Fieldy and Jonathan. It was crazy. Like he just went to town. Like he got really drunk on Facebook one night. And was just like commenting on people's stuff and just like ripping into Jonathan and Fieldy. But he left the band, right? Because he, he didn't want to play music anymore. He didn't. Well, he really didn't want to just kind of play with Jonathan anymore at that point. But then got mad that they wouldn't let him back in. Yeah, because he said, "Well, it's because get out of he, here." He didn't leave. He he just said he needed to take a break. Like it was the touring and all that stuff was just too much for him at the time. So he just wanted a, a short break. And when he did that, they just they kicked him out essentially. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that David wanted to leave. It was just like he was kicked out in the end. He just wanted to go away for a little while. That's kind of fucked up then. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's constantly talked about how like the band has just been like the uh, the Jonathan Davis show since he left or even like right before he left. He was just like, if if Jonathan didn't want to do it, then we didn't do it. You know, like everybody catered to him. He had his own bus. You know, it's just everybody. Really? Yeah. Like even to this day, too, like. (laughs) Like normally like Ray will ride with Fieldy or Head or, you know, it's like two of the guys together on a bus and then Jonathan has his own bus. It's still like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know all but. the drama. Dude, there was there was major drama like three years ago with Zach, their, <laughs> their keyboardist. 
Like one dude, it was nut dude, their Instagrams were fucking on fire that night because the it was like a hometown show, like it was an LA show. And all their wives were there. And apparently like some of their wives don't get along with one another. And Zach was the touring keyboardist, but he'd been with the band and been on the records for like t- over 10 years, you know? And so his, his wife got in a fight with Monkey's wife oh and it, God, it turned yeah. into this big Instagram thing. Like it was this big fucking deal. And the next day they fired him. So stupid. Yeah. These yeah. guys are idiots. Yeah. I dude, it was, it was insane. And then I remember like, cause everybody was like following like, their, cause I follow all their wives too on Instagram. What are you um, doing? Dude, I dude when I get obsessed with a band, dude, I just, <laughs> dude, I have to know everything. Dude, I know, I know everything about this fucking band. Yeah, it's so stupid. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm. I like all their wives' Instagrams, their kids' Instagram. Well, not their their kids. Some of their kids, if they're like adults, like because kids are following kids' Instagrams are weird. But and they're stupid. Yeah. yeah, and they're stupid. But yeah, so yeah, that was a shit show. But yeah, anyway, back to clown. Let's let's get back into clown. And, okay, yeah. And the, fuck, <laughs> that was a lot of drama. Yeah. Well, they've been around for a long time, and they're a bunch of weirdos. So it's, exactly. it stands to reason there would be a lot of drama. It's to be expected. Yeah. But um, dude, the melody here is good. The, I mean, like the actual melody of vocals, like they're it's good. It's it's kind of slow and heavy, but it's it's like oddly comforting. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like swings, and it's really good. It is. And just like the, just the way it starts out to that, it's so, it's such a simple thing. Like most bands, like it's a kind of like riff or kind of thing that you would do when, with your first band, you know, but it never really sounds good. But this band makes it sound really fucking good. I think, I, I think that's what it is. They have a lot of ideas. And like you said, when you first start off with your own band and you're playing music, you play things, you play riffs, and you say, oh, that's just, a, that's just a throwaway riff. But these guys seem to, like, take those throwaway riffs and just kind of expand on them and make them good and never, like, give up on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, I mean, the beginning of this song starts out, like we said, it starts out with them them arguing. Do you want me to get more into that? Like, or do you want to? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I mean, we don't... I, I also you read want, that you want to play I mean, clown real quick. I also read that this song came. I don't know that, that I read a lot of things about corn. There's so much out there. Mm-hmm. There's no way for me to know which of it is real or not. I'll, so, I'll tell you what's real. Yeah, I know what's this, real and what's not. This will be a good gauge. So I, I read that this song came about after corn's road manager beat someone up at a show. Yeah, I think his name was Jeff. Actually, yeah, yeah he um they were playing a show in San Diego, and uh, and. This guy was—he was like a skinhead guy, and he was making fun of Jonathan Davis, like calling him and calling him bad words or whatever, the bad f word, and making fun of him, saying how much their music sucks. And uh, and Jonathan was just—he's like a mellow guy, you know—and he just kind of like bent over to, to like I don't know what he was—he bent over for whatever reason, and the guy took a swing at him and missed him. And then it, the road manager was right behind Jonathan, and then just like attacked the guy and knocked his ass out. <laughs> so the song—that's what the song is—is is about. It, it doesn't really go much deeper than that. It's about just like those pussy-ass fans who think they're tough, but they're really not, or those pussy people that think they're, they're tough, but they're really not. They're all talk, and that was—that was what it was based off of. So yeah, that's one hundred percent true. And Jonathan confirmed that like back on their first video release, like when the making of this album and Life Is Peachy. All right. So there you go. It's true. 100% true. I'll be asking you more factoids throughout this 
throw them at me, man. I know everything. Throughout this four hour all, episode. I know all I know all the info. I know all the drama. <laughs> Bring it That's on. Funny. <clears throat> so dumb. Oh, I know. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Okay. Should we play a little bit of clown? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here here's uh here's clown. Wanna hear it? Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of clown. It kind of does suck because, like I said, you're only getting one ear of the guitars. So you're missing that, that, that high screeching part, which adds so much to the song. So go check out the, the actual song on whatever streaming service you use. It's Spotify. Great. Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. I don't care. Whatever whatever you want to do. Um, uh, should we move on to Divine. You want to talk about clowns some more? Divine's good. I mean, we got a lot. We got a lot to get into here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Let, let's get into Divine. Um, what do? What do? What do? This is one of your favorites too. Yeah. Okay. Is it just because it's like fast, the the cool drum rolls and stuff like that too? I mean, first, like this, just a segue from Clown to Divine, I think was really cool. That mm-hmm. was really that was really interesting and fun. But this one's also very heavy and very dirty. Yeah. This band's just like dirty to me. They're just like. I don't know, like actually dirty, like records. like they yeah. don't shower type dirty. But I like, his, like, I like his vocals. His vocals are great on it. And, and the drum super... roll part that goes into the bridge, fantastic. That one really gets mm-hmm. me. But um, again, like Jonathan Davis keeps you interested by making his vocals so different, like in the same song. And this is another instance where he breathes mid sentence for effect rather than like necessity. Yeah. Absolutely. But this is so like weird. Like, what do you? Why are you? I, I don't understand. Like, why they like thought all these things were going to be good. It's almost like he's thinking of what to say. I mean, I, it, I've never heard this, but my theory on it is that possibly like Ross was kind of making him come up with the lyrics on the spot at certain times or certain points. That's the only thing I could think of, because I, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and it does seem like a tactic that Ross would use to make him feel uncomfortable. 
This is weird. I don't know. It is very strange, but I don't know, man. It, it makes for a good song. And it was revealed a couple of years ago that, um, that Rob Trujillo, the bass player for uh, Metallica, and at the time, well, before even uh, he was in Suicidal Tendencies, he co-wrote some of the part of, parts of the song with them, or he helped oh. him write some of the songs. Yeah. So and and Jonathan Monkey or Jonathan, one of the two, they they mentioned that in an interview a couple of years ago, and nobody had ever said that before. But yeah, like they they Rob's, I forgot what I don't think Rob was, I don't even think he was playing with Suicidal at the time. It was before that, but they were they were practicing at the same studio, and he had overheard from the next room that they were you know there, and they heard the music, and he came over and he helped them write part of the song. So that's kind of fun little fact about Divine. That's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, the it's it to me it's like the fastest song on the record and it's heavy hitting, but it's I think it's Jonathan's most melodic vocals on the entire record, which is kind of cool too. It's a cool like contrast to the song. <laughs> what what are you drinking? Uh right now I'm drinking a monster. Oh. Got to get my energy up. You you're, ne- you're never going to get over these this monster Dude, thing. monsters it's are so not good. It's this so is- good. Like drinking racing fuel, it's so bad for it's you. It's so good. It's so good. Even it's Jonathan Davis wears wears um, uh, sweatbands on his wrist and monster sweatbands. Uh, he loves monsters. You probably you pee probably glows in the dark. Oh, it does. Hundred percent. It's disgusting. Uh, yeah. Uh, should we play some divine? Do we want to talk about the lyrics? What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, man. Lead lead the way. I mean, there's oh, still like man. a lot of other things about corn that I, I don't know that. It, we can get into that. Okay. I'm curious. Okay, let's get let's move on. I mean, Divine is a fucking amazing song, but go check it out. Let, let's move on to. Um, well, let, the, let me. What, what about nicknames? So, like the fielding uh-huh. nickname I read that came about because he had chubby cheeks. Yes. And just the name progressed from one thing, and they called him like Gopher at a point, and it just progressed into Garfield and Gar and Field, and they added a Y to Fieldy. Yes. And that's it, why he's called exactly Fieldy. Right. Exactly. But what about why is why why do they call him head? Uh, head is because he has a big head, <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. He has it's because he has like on their first their first video release it's called Deuce, and um or Deuce with Deuce yeah, and uh, and it was it was like I said before it was kind of like the making of the first and second record and it I loved it when I was growing up I've seen it a hundred times, uh, but yeah he talks about it in the video like because they they ask each member about their nicknames. And head says, "Yeah, I have a big head. No hats, like hats don't fit me." He said, "This one barely fits me. And it's a beanie." And he like pulls it out, and he's like, "Yeah, it's just I have a big head. That's why they call me head." It's hard so, to tell. Yeah. I just Google some pictures of him. It's hard to tell because he has so much facial hair and his his dreads. Well, this is before he had facial. He didn't grow the facial hair until after he quit the band. Does he have a big head though? Like, can you tell? He him? has a pretty big head. Yeah, yeah, you uh. can definitely tell. He has like a big. Yeah, it's, it's big. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, what, what do you know about monkey? About I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess he kind of looks like a monkey. No. Were you Kermit the Frog over uh, here taking your yeah, little sip taking, before taking you get your explanation? <laughs> no, he he was given the name because of his toes, because he can like spread his toes really wide like hands. What the hell? So that's how he was given his nickname, Monkey, was because of his hand toes. Have you seen a picture of him spreading his toes? He does it on the that video. I knew, I knew you'd have seen it. <laughs> knew it. <laughs> so yeah that, even if they didn't show it on the video you would have searched for a picture of it <laughs> and then even um even jonathan he, he way back like on their first couple records his nickname too was uh hiv 
because he has an HIV tattoo on his uh, on his arm uh, that just literally says HIV and um, and it's just it was like him just kind of saying like watch who you have sex with because you'll probably get an STD or you'll probably get HIV so he was like so paranoid about getting it so he tattooed himself just to like it was a reminder it was stupid I know but Did, didn't he do like a ton of drugs and probably have sex with tons and tons of people yes 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 but uh, David yeah. never David never had a nickname. Never ever. But he was a male model for briefly. Very briefly. <laughs> he he modeled Calvin Klein underwear. Nice. Calvin Thank Klein. Yep. He got ridiculed a lot. Like I remember Slipknot used to like make fun of him when they hated each other. Yeah. So dumb. Thing. Yeah, it was a big thing back in the nineties. And then uh, what about the story of corn? Did it was that just really they wanted to name their band corn and then Monkey said, Why don't we just make it with a K and a backward R? Yeah, That's Jonathan so came up with Jonathan came up with the name. How did he come up with the name Corn? Like, why? He just I think he was. I what I think is just he was like they were super high or wasted, and they just they came up with it because before they were in they were a band before Jonathan and Head joined the band, uh, they were a band called LAPD, and they put out a record which was whatever. It's not. It's just like funk rock, and then uh, they kicked out that singer, got a new singer, and then that became Creep, and then they kicked out that singer. And then Jonathan joined, and then they changed the name to Corn. And then they they decided to make it a K and the backward R because they thought it would be more creepy because it kind of looks like a like a little kid wrote it. So they were kind of in that whole like mindset like kids are creepy. So that's kind of where it came from. And ties into the album artwork as well. Exactly. Yeah. Should we get into the album artwork? Now that yeah. Sure. It? I mean, it, to me, it's become like kind of one, one. To me, it's one of those iconic. 90s album covers I, you might disagree but i don't i don't care i think it is <laughs> um but it's like that little girl on a swing and then there's a shadow like kind of looking over her and it looks like he has like blades on his hand in the shadow or scissors or something weird but then then like in a shadow above her head it says corn but when you look at it it looks like she's hanging from the, her shadow is hanging from a noose it looks like so it's, yeah. it's a really weird photo but like I've seen this photo before, and I know that this is Korn's album. I wouldn't have said that it was like iconic for the '90s albums covers, I guess. But mm-hmm. the more I like looked at it this week, and the more I read about it, like it's definitely fucking weird. Yeah. And the fact yep. that they paid this girl like three hundred bucks, and she's wearing like her school uniform, and mm-hmm. her mom was kind of like freaking out because Korn took off, and she's like, "Fuck! I hope I'm gonna get sued by the school," which I don't <laughs> think they ever did, but no. It's just like you said, like the K looks like it's like going directly into the back of her neck, and that's really weird. And the elongated, shadowy figure looks like he's got like Edward Scissor hands or Freddy Krueger or some shit. Yeah. And she's kind of looking up, shielding her eyes from the sun, which I think I read that the guy standing there was trying to block the sun from her eyes. Yeah. But the way it looks like is like whenever you're you're trying to like assert dominance over somebody, you stand in a position where they have to look up to you, so you're looking down on them mm-hmm. as such in the picture. But also, like if you're really good at it, or if you watch a lot of like movies or abduction movies, like the, the, your abductor will stand in a, in a spot right next to the sun, so when you're looking up, you can't see their face like yeah. this girl is doing. This looks like this guy is going to do something weird to this girl. Yeah, it's a, it's a very unsettling photo. It's just creepy. Yeah. And they, they did an, like, I forgot what, what website did it, but they did an interview with the girl in the picture like a couple of years ago. So she's like an adult now. Yeah. And uh, they did an interview with her and she was like talking about how nice everybody was. And she didn't, at the time she didn't really understand what was going on. Like 
she just knew that she just had to pose for a picture. Like she didn't understand the significance of the picture. Right. So it was it was a cool little interview she did. And I think it was like, like Loudwire or something because I read the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool. It's it's it definitely adds to the whole ambience of the of the album and everything. It really adds it the effect. The creepy effect, the unsettling effect to it. It kind of sucks for her because she, I think now she's trying to be, like, do her own music. Mm-hmm. And so had her mom or had whoever it was kept in touch with Corn all these years, maybe, you know, maybe she'd be more popular than she is. Yeah, could be. Definitely. Never know. Never know. But it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, let's see here. What do we got? We got, so the next song is... Uh, faggot it's that song they purposely misspelled it um i think it was just i forgot actually i forgot why they misspelled it i think i think i was reading because he misspelled it because he wanted to show people that even though like he's been called this name so many times in his life and people will make fun of him all the time including me constantly (laughs) that he miss he he misspelled it like this to kind of give it like a like a joke as if as if he takes it he doesn't take it too seriously it still affects him because you know nobody likes to be called names, I guess, for mm-hmm. so many years. But it's still words are like bullets. Words are like bullets. It it still shouldn't affect him the way it does sometimes, I guess. Yeah, and that's pretty much what the song talks about. Yeah. I mean, he just talks about being picked on, and because he was like very into like the new wave scene, and Duran Duran is his favorite band of all yeah, time. That was so weird. When yeah, I like that. he doesn't. He's always claimed. He's always said he's never liked metal music. Like he didn't get into metal music until he got into Corn. Like the other band members were were the ones who introduced him to like Sepultura and Pantera and stuff like that. But he was always into like new wave and goth goth stuff, you know, and hip hop. He was really into hip hop, and he was actually very a very popular DJ. And he was like the only white DJ up in Bakersfield back in the eighties. Um, so yeah, he was he was never into that scene, which is it, it was interesting. But because of that, he dressed like with makeup and eyeliner and, and all that stuff. And people thought he was gay and they made fun of him. I dressed I mean, him just, as so in yeah, the 90s and, in true 90s fashion. And this song talks about it. And then like during the bridge of this song, he just, he's like screaming and he's just like letting all of his like rage and all of that out, you know? just That's like my, my second favorite part of the song is is I like how he starts out saying actual words and you mm-hmm. you can pretty much understand him for the most part but like the more he says them the more jumbled they get and then it just kind of turns into like him expressing himself via words through just him just screaming yeah he's just like i'm just a faggot and it just gets more and more chaotic and it's yeah. just it's weird but yeah, dude, it, the high guitar part, like that is my favorite mm-hmm. part of the song. It's just so weird and eerie and it matches the song and the vibe so perfect yeah they really they really knocked it out of the park on this one and david's drumming too yeah he's he's always said in interviews that like he wish he didn't play the song the way he did because it's like difficult for him to play it live so that's why they they didn't play the song for a long time live because david didn't want to play it because there's like, some he, great fills in here though he did but he's like he he overplayed for himself and he's like it just he said he just doesn't like it because of that i mean he uh-huh. thinks the song is good but it's just he did it sucks because he doesn't like to play. He didn't like to play it live, because he would always fuck it up. Mm. So, yeah, but yeah sense. his planet is this planet on it is great. It's it's very subtle, like technically, you know. It's, if that makes sense, 
That's and I mean, you really have to listen to understand like the technical part of it. That's that's kind of oh, that's a loud one. That's kind of what he does is is he he plays just kind of basic, and then he'll throw in a fill. But sometimes the fills he throws in they go along with fieldy, mm-hmm. and so you kind of miss out on him because field fieldy is also doing like a fill, and so even the tone they use like together, you almost it's it's, it's you can't tell who's doing what at certain yeah. points. And so when you actually do hear like a really good feel from David, it's always like on the, in, in like the background. It's never kind of like the main part of the song. And it always means more, you know, like if you were doing fills every other fucking bar or something like that, you know, it would just like, it like lose its charm. It would lose its, its effect. Yeah. But when he throws it in, he, he knows when to throw it in and he knows how to accent a song really well. Like, like what, what I always like in drummers a lot is when they utilize a lot of their the bass drum, the snare, and the hi hat. Like, like if you can utilize those three well, like to me, you're you're a fucking amazing drummer. Like, you don't need a bunch of toms or a bunch of cymbals. Like, if you can use those three, you're fucking set. And David does it so well, especially on these first two records. Like, he rarely he doesn't use the the toms that much, or even like a lot of the cymbals, except for like the ride. But other than that, he it's pretty much just him. This it's pretty much just the snare, the hi hat, and the bass drum, and he fucking kills it. And that's one of the things I don't like about the new drummer is that he overplays everything and he hits everything. Like he doesn't fucking stop. He doesn't let the songs breathe. Like he's constantly doing fills and doing double bass, and it's just like, dude, relax. Like David rarely utilized that, but it it worked for the band because it let everything else stand out. It let everything else breathe. So. It's true. There's not a lot of, like the only other band or drummer I can think of that is a is a fantastic drummer, but is very basic. Is uh, the drummer from the Violent Femmes or the old Violent Femmes? Mm-hmm. I think it's something De Lorenzo, but how he just used like the snare on a lot of the songs that you would hear, and yeah. sometimes he would he would throw in like a like a hi hat, but rarely did he ever have or you ever hear him play like a full on drum set. It was just like a couple pieces here and there, and he still carried the songs. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely that's admirable. You got to play to the song, you know. You don't have to wank. I mean, sometimes yep. it works, like, but not not in not in this context. Not for like a groove based kind of band. It doesn't work. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's the song "Faggot." Should we play a little bit of it, or do you want to move on to "Shoots and Ladders"? What do you want to do? I mean, I'd rather play "Shoots and Ladders," okay. "Daddy," and then "Lies" over. Okay, over yeah, faggot. No. I don't. I think that one was. It was a banger, but it was barely a banger. It was a double B. Yeah, <laughs> double B. It was only a banger because of those those couple parts that I really, really, really liked. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the. I think it's the longest besides "Daddy." Uh, it's the longest, like, kind of traditional song on the record too. It's like over six minutes. But uh, yeah, "Shoots and Ladders." This is this was. Um, Smack dab in the middle of the album. Starts out with Jonathan's bagpipes. Um, got me hooked right there already when I heard <laughs> it. I was like, okay. You know, the rumor always was up until a couple of years ago, um, it was always that they recorded the bagpipes in a canyon. So the so the rumor always was, because Indigo Ranch, where the studio that they recorded, the infamous Indigo Ranch, which is no longer there, unfortunately. Um they there it was right it was in the middle it's in the middle of nowhere in malibu like it's up in the the mountains of malibu which sounds weird but there's this there's this huge canyon and the rumor always was was that ross had set up mics like on parts of the canyon 
and then had Jonathan stand on a rock and play the bagpipes into the canyon. And that's how they recorded that sound. But then a couple of years ago, it was revealed that, no, they just set up, he just set up mics on the back porch of the, the house that they recorded at. And then Jonathan Davis slowly walked away from the mic as he was playing the bagpipes. So it kind of lost its kind of, to me, it kind of lost its, its charm and its kind of vibe learning that. I didn't, I didn't know the rumor. I just read that that's how they did it. He just walked away from the mic. Oh, no, for years. I mean, I, mean I, I was like, so surprised. Yeah, like that would be like a cool of, thing to, to believe for so long is that they did it in the canyon. Well, and another thing that, that led to that, you know, that made the rumor seem real was because on their first, that, that home video, that Deuce video, it sh- there's, a, there's a video of him playing the bagpipes in that canyon. So he did play bagpipes in the canyon, but they didn't record that part in the canyon, if that makes any sense. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that's, it's like a minute and a half of him playing bagpipes and then the really heavy chuggy guitars come in. It's good. Like when I first heard this, I thought this was like, uh, this was like every band kind of has like a warm up song that they do when they get in the studio. They say, Hey, let's play this song to warm us up. Then we can start practice or whatever they got to do. This this song reminded me of like a, a a song that a band would do to warm up because they all know it so well and they all know it well enough to where they can kind of like noodle if they wanted to and do their own little thing but still kind of keep it together mm-hmm. and it's just fun. It's a fun yeah. song. It's a, it's I think it's one of their more straightforward songs and um and lyrically too. It's just uh it's just him talking about like how fucked up nursery rhymes actually are and like but they're not he's just the one no he, he thought like well, mary like, had a little lamb isn't fucked up well like ring around the rosy it was about that's the, the only plague. one the knickknack paddywhack song that's not fucking I, I looked up some of these like trying to think of <laughs> what it really? was but yeah like they aren't <laughs> fucking weird they're just nursery rhymes but yeah that's pretty much what the song is about so lyrically it's not to me it's not too deep um but then but, also yeah. when they when they play this live starting in like 2003 2002 no 2003 when they played that metallica uh icon on mtv when they played one they started they they started doing uh, on their tours and their shows they play shoots and ladders and during the bridge instead of going into that next to that very end of the song they would they would do that into one and then they finish out the the one song that so yeah, so they they did that for like ten years until they got bored of it, and then they stopped doing doing the whole like mashup of shoots and ladders in one. But there's shit ton of videos out there of them doing it. So should I play a little bit of shoots and ladders? Yeah, I mean for sure. At least just so we can hear him play the bagpipes. Okay, here we go. Here's some uh, shoots and ladders for you.
There you go. A little bit of shoots uh, and ladders from Corn. So the bagpipes good. are cool. Yeah. It's, and it's just, cool whenever it's, they they play it too. Jonathan always brings out the bagpipes and he plays it on stage. It's just it's such a it's such like an opposite thing to have bagpipes because bagpipes are first of all they're, they're so fucking cool. loud. They're really fucking loud. They're they're crazy loud and normally they just like elicit this sad feeling because it's slow. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear slow music, it's it's almost always going to be a little bit sad, a little bit melancholy. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that they, there's no breaks, there's no silence, it's continuous music being played. And it's always, or every time you see bagpipes in the movies, it's always at like a like a police officer's funeral or some type of like <laughs> army thing, right? So yeah. it's always like associated with being sad. And so I think it's cool that they use bagpipes in their music because of all that I just said. But then going into what we talked about earlier is how they're not afraid to have silences. They're not afraid to have breaks. They're not afraid mm-hmm. to kind of just be different and weird and unconventional. I, I, just, I think it's like a perfect blend. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. It's and there were. I think they were like one of the first bands to utilize this instrument in like in a rock, in a rock act. Like that was one of the things that set them apart from other bands. Is like who the fuck uses bagpipes and who the fuck in rock music does scat vocals? Like nobody fucking does that. It's so weird. Like why would they think? Why would anybody think that it's a good idea to to mix all that shit together? You know. Yeah, but it works for, sure, for them. The, the scatting. But even the bagpipes too. Like, who the fuck would think to put bagpipes into a rock song? I mean, yeah, I you have like Dropkick Murphys and shit, but... I, I mean, the Pogues would be the only other band that... But I don't think they ever use bagpipes. They use a lot of like banjos and whistles and mm-hmm. shit like that, accordions. But I don't know if they ever use like bagpipes in those in those early 80s. Yeah, but nothing like th- this heavy kind of music, you know? It's such a... It's a weird... A weird no, this is like contrast. you're going to a fucking funeral of like an LAPD officer. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> It's really cool though, man. And they've they've util- they've had the bagpipes on on almost all of their records. Not all of them, but almost all of them in some capacity. So that's cool. They they've always kind of gone back to that. Even with the scat vocals too, too, it's on over half of their records. They have some sort of scat vocals on them. But there you go. Uh so yeah, well, I mean we'll skip past predictable. I still think that song is fucking amazing. I think fake is even a better song than than predictable. I think both are are amazing songs, um, but uh, let's get into lies. This is a uh, this is my favorite song on the record. Ooh, this is my third favorite corn song of all time. Is Ooh. lies? Yeah, this song got great. the life, proud and lies, man. Those three songs. I thought got the life was your favorite corn song. I said got the life is my favorite. I said got the life and then oh, this proud. Is on the record. This is my favorite on the record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but this is my third favorite corn song ever. Okay. This one is the one that I really heard a lot of System of a Down and Surge. Really? Like I, I think his singing and his growling on top of like that bouncy music is very System of a Down-like. And this song sounded like Sugar, as I should say. Sugar sounds like this song. Yeah. Oh, with like that, the growling in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, like System of a Down, like they clearly took some stuff from Corn. Oh, 100%. Yeah. How can you and not? But it's just, it's crazy. Like, you never would think that a band like System of a Down, who gets so much praise, mm-hmm. right, for being so talented and so great, but dude, they're just, they're Copycats. more technical corn. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 a, they're a more political and a more technical corn. It's true, yeah. And this <laughs> is, <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, you're right, but corn are better. But they are, they're better than System of a Down. 
Come on. There are more corn songs I like than System of a Down songs I like. Really? Yeah. That's that's very surprising to me. Because a lot of System of Down songs end up sounding kind of very similar. Because of Darren's vocals or because of Serge's? Oh, I love. I mean, Darren's like the best part of that band. Oh, right? no, my God. He's the worst. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's not. But I do like that Lonely Day song or whatever oh, song that is. That song is so bad. Straight up bad. <laughs> But uh, but lies is cool too because it, it's the it's the only other song on the album besides Ball Tongue where Head has the lead vocals, you know, and it's one of the few times in in any Corn song where Head has the lead vocals because he hate at the time he hated singing. Um, so, but Dude, the, yeah, it's the, it's really cool. His lead vocals are great, but also like the lead guitar parts were fantastic. They're yeah. so awesome. They're really cool, and the bass too. Like like you have the, the you just kind of that na 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 of the guitar. And then Philly just comes in that doom, 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 doom. Like it doesn't play along with the guitars at all. It's so bizarre, but it it works really, really well. But uh, and then the go part when he when he screams go, I love it. I love it. You can never go wrong just by yelling ghosts at some point in a song. And for a band like Corn to do it, it's it's a very like punk thing to do. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It worked so well in the song. I mean, aren't aren't corn like true punkers though? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, isn't punk like a mindset rather than a, a genre? You're right. Yeah, and they they paved the way. They they just they've done something completely different. No I band mean, has been able to replicate it. Much like punks, you know, they don't use any kind of real guitar solos. True. Rarely. And I guess like going into like the whole new metal thing too. It's just it's so bizarre how. Especially metal fans and me- and people in the metal realm would make fun of like corn and new metal music and saying how it's just stupid and silly. But it's like, dude, you got bands like Iron Maiden that are basically just hair metal bands. Like, how the fuck are you mm-hmm. gonna make fun of corn? Yeah, when well, it's like a lot of shitty music in your own genre. And like people people make fun of them. Oh, you know they don't have guitar, so they're not super technical. But like like Head, he's actually a, a really good guitar player. Like he could play a lot of really cool bluesy riffs, and uh, and like one of his biggest guitar heroes was randy rhodes like he's he's a huge ozzy osbourne fan and all he like growing up all he wanted to do was be like randy rhodes like he dressed like randy rhodes he (laughs) like he he can fucking shred on guitar head can really shred on guitar but he chooses not to because he writes for the song you know and same with monkey's not as technical as head but he can do it i mean he could do a lot of stuff that head can do but head's just better i I hate to like I, because a lot of metal music is especially in that realm of like Iron Maiden. I always pick Iron Maiden because I've, I've listened to the most of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's not good. There's just, there's too much stuff that it's cookie cutter. There's too many solos. I don't like the vocals and they use like a lot of those blast beats and shit. And, but like new metal, they didn't, they went, they completely like went away from that. They're still heavy. It's still fuzzy. They're, but they just don't have any guitar solos. They don't sing stupid like they did in the eighties. And they don't utilize a lot of like blast beats like metal shit does. They took all the good parts out of metal and then made their own genre and then incorporated hip hop into it. Yeah, absolutely. Like destroyed metal. Absolutely, like the, man. Like in the Tenacious D song, new metal tried <laughs> to destroy the metal. <laughs> <laughs> but it failed. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I'm going to play a little. I'm going to play some lies. Here we go from Korn.
There's a little bit of lies. Banger, dude. Banger, banger. I had banger, to, banger. I had to, I had to play the go part. It's great. But yeah, man. We, I mean, we talked about the vocals. We talked about what, what else you got that. on? I lies? love those guitar part. I just like that little. I love mm-hmm. those. Yeah, they were doing something special back then, man. Definitely doing something special. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so I mean, I guess that that leaves the the last song, Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, this song was also a sex art song. Started with sex art, and then uh, and then Jonathan brought it over to Corn. And um, I mean, the song is called Daddy, but it's not actually about his dad. It was about a family friend. Uh, come to find out, it was actually a babysitter who uh, who sexually abused Jonathan, and uh, he really breaks down and cries. And it's a pretty emotional song. It's very it's, emotional. It's 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 sad on 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 a lot of levels. It's sad because it's named Daddy, and I mean, he, Jonathan David has has had to come out multiple times and say it's not about his dad, mm-hmm. and that probably sucks for his dad, like constantly being, I don't know, accosted in various yeah. forms. I'm sure every 16-year-old who heard the song for the first time probably emailed or found his dad at some point and yelled at him for it, but <laughs> that probably sucks. But at the same time, too, like Jonathan has talked about how his stepmom was very abusive to him. Yeah, well, his aunt. The, the song, aunt. the song "Kill You" on Life Is Peachy, is about his aunt who would like abuse him, like verbally and like hit him and stuff, and but like burn cigarettes on his arms yeah. and stuff. Like, how the hell does his dad not know? Yeah, I don't know. And so, like uh, uh, another part I was reading, and they kind of you can clearly hear it in the song too, is about Jonathan Davis telling people, and everyone just kind of saying, "Ah, oh, no, don't know, you're lying," or "No, I don't believe you," or "No, yeah. that's not really what happened." And 
It's just like, dude, that's why it's he's such up. a dick now. Is he's just he's emotionally underdeveloped. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with you on that, but being all fucked up on drugs when you're recording this record too, it's man, it it's rough. And then working with Ross and you got this raw emotion out of him, it's fucking nuts. And don't forget too, they're in their like their early twenties. Right? Yeah. They're like twenty two. Mm-hmm. And so I mean they're they're almost to the point where they're fully developed. <laughs> but I mean you're not you're not like fully developed yeah, until yeah. like you're like twenty five, twenty six. To an extent, yeah. And so they but even like like under all this pressure and, and, and a lot of drugs and a lot of things going on and it's like that's why you get a song like Daddy, which is I think like musically it's not one of my favorite songs in the album, but it's for sure like the most powerful song on the album. Yeah. And I, I think it's the most it's it's most well written song on the album. I think everything kind of correlates with each other. Like the way mm-hmm. like the back and forth vocal style that he has going on. Mm-hmm. I think that is is like his actual mind, like one part is like frustrating and the other part's like softer type of singing. Yeah. Like that's probably what he's going through when he was a child. And now today, as a child, like dealing with like the frustrating part, like he he thinks this is wrong. He knows this is wrong. But the softer part is everybody telling him that it's not wrong and he's over exaggerating and things like that. And then today, like the frustrating part is like he now he knows for sure it's wrong, but it's a softer part of him saying that he needs to suppress those emotions because that's not the way you should act because people don't like that. And it's just a really fucked up situation and Mm -hmm. very, very horrible. And I think it really came through and it made for a really good song. And it's kind of sad to say, but it really did. It did. It it's one of the most insane songs I think ever written. Like the most authentic too, you know. It's not like this these like art projects or like these art rock bands that that tried it that are just so pretentious about it. Like you kinda you feel like this is very, very authentic. Like when No Effects did the whole like suicide song. It was just yeah. so dumb. Yeah. It, I don't know. There's something there's something oh, there's a way that he uh, he sings that's just more emotional. So yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's a rough song. It's it's tough. I don't listen to it very often just because it's like it's super long and it's just like it's depressing. It's not like it doesn't make you feel good after listening to it. You know, it 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 doesn't. Yeah, I definitely need to listen to it like several times before I even like started writing about it. And it's just. It's like traumatic, it's a, you know. Yeah, like even like listening just to the crying, the sobbing at the end. It doesn't like, sound fake. It doesn't sound put on. It like it was something that they didn't realize was gonna happen, or like Ross didn't realize was gonna happen until it happened. You know, it's weird. It's super crazy. Yeah, just awkward and sad, and I don't know. I don't know. It's just you, like you can't help but feel like empathetic for this dude. Yep. Absolutely. And then Kill You, too, you know, on Life is Peachy is just as dramatic. But Daddy really takes the cake for, like, you know, the most fucked up emotional song out there. To me, at least. I don't know. Yeah. And he he's only played it a hand. They've only played it a handful of times. I think maybe, like, four or five times they've played it. Because uh, it's just it's too much of, like, an emotional drain. And, and he's come out and said, too, that, like, it kind of, if they play it, he feels like if they play it too much, it'll diminish the value of the song. So like he he refuses to play like the song whenever they have like pulls up on their website like what song should we what song should we play on this this tour Daddy's always like in the top like three songs that people want to hear but they always they always say no we're not gonna <laughs> play that song so. isn't that weird how 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 weird corn fans are is that when they ask like hey what song should we play 
they take possibly like the most emotional song they've done, and yeah. but they also want to hear the stupid Fred Durst song. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> the all complete the opposites place. of the spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> like the be- like like the deepest and then the lamest. Yeah, exactly. Idiots. But yeah, it's. Uh, I I think everybody should hear this song at least once. You know, even if you don't like corn, just like listen to it. Just like man, just the message that that comes across on this song is just so effective and. I don't know, man. It's got to be listened to in one sitting. Like you can't. Like you have to play from the beginning up until the silence. Yeah, absolutely. You have to hear him like breaking down. Like you hear him just throughout the entire song. You hear him just breaking down, like getting more and more emotional and just crying and just. It's weird, man. It's it's insane. I was I was reading too that he. So like they recorded this like live basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when when they were playing the end of this and he started breaking down, Ross told everyone to just keep like keep riffing, keep, keep jamming while he does this and afterwards like they all stopped and like gave each other hugs and it was like a really emotional thing and like that's that's really cool. Yeah. But damn, dude, that what that guy's a monster. <laughs> I know. Ross is a monster. <laughs> he is. <laughs> but he knows God. how to bring shit out in people. It's insane. At what cost? I know. That's why they Jeez. that's why that's why Jonathan had that breakdown back in like 2010 because after recording the, the that that record cuz Ross fucked him up. <laughs> like Ross really so fucked him up. So brutal. I know. But that like I said, dude, nobody ever really works with Ross more than once. The only bands that have worked with him multiple times have been Corn and Slipknot. That's it. Every other band that's worked with him, I'm pretty sure, have only worked with him once, because it's too much of an emotional or like you know mental toll on them. It's insane. Yeah, that was it. Yep. All right, uh, and then you know the, there's the silence, and then there's that weird recording at the end. Did you yeah, what it? is that? Like, so, it's, yeah, listen to it. The is it something was, they found. Yeah, the rumor for years was always that Ross had found this this tape, this like reel to reel tape, um, in a in the studio. Like when he when he first went to Indigo Ranch, he found this tape on a reel to reel, and that's what it was. But then come to find out, he I guess he used to like clean out like abandoned houses, like gut them out and stuff, and that's where he found it. He found it like in an abandoned house, and nobody knows who these people, who Michael and Jerry are. No one's ever come forward. No one's ever come forward. Nobody knows when it was from. That's good. Yeah, it's just it's super. It adds to the the creepiness and the eeriness of the the whole record and that whole thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just him yelling at his wife. Do you laugh like at the, it though? There are parts where like it's kind of funny, but then it's like, man, it kind of sucks for her. Like she kind of has a shitty he's life. So mean. He's so mean to her. Like he for like no reason. No fuck. He's like you're the hardest fucking woman to live with. Like yeah, I, I, like he I wrote just that like, one down too. Yeah, he's he's really mean to her. But she gets him back. She says, "I can't tell you anything, Michael, because your head is blank." <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, and they're arguing about like a car part. Like it's yeah, this like he's trying to rebuild a carburetor for a Dodge Dart, and yeah, he gets so frustrated at her. But it's like, dude, she doesn't fucking know what you're talking about. Like, how are you getting so frustrated? He's such an asshole. He but you reminded me of Raleigh, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like, what I've always thought. Fuck? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. But yeah, that's that's how this album ends, man. What about those bonus? What about the bonus songs? Oh yeah, the bonus songs, Christmas songs, Broken Souls, Sean Olson and Layla. Yeah, those like uh, parts of the song "Clown" were taken from Layla. Um, There's actually two versions of Layla, Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're all they're all um, B sides from this. All those songs have been played live except for uh, "Christmas Song." 
Like he's like Christmas. So, that song's dumb. Yeah, it's whatever. This broken soul. That song's boring. Yeah, Layla. Sean really Olson good. is okay, and Layla was a fucking banger. Yeah, Layla's very very good. I love that creepy guitar climb. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, like what year did they first write Layla? I mean, it was right before this song. I think it was played. I think Layla was played at their third show ever. There's a there's a video of them and it's like ninety two maybe. Well, the band formed in ninety three, so, so ninety three. Yeah, so it had to have been written in ninety three. Like they just, they played. I'm pretty sure they played that song at their third show ever. It's just crazy. Like how like how do you how do you come up with something like this when no one I else know. is doing anything that sounds like this? It's, it's just really weird. It's insane. But yep. reading some of the comments was really funny. I I, I would like to read comments on YouTube because always that, that was a good time. But <laughs> but someone said that he came here because he thought this was the Eric Clapton song. <laughs> and I just thought, like, how funny is that? Like, some guy wants to hear Layla by Clapton and he gets this. It's so that, yeah, good. You know? It's so different. <laughs> but I think Sean Olsen was on a soundtrack, too, if I'm not mistaken. Like, End of Days. No, that was Camel Song. was on End of Days. I, I like the I, intro to Sean Olsen, the, the drum intro. Oh, but the drum intro is really good, yeah. I don't, I don't really like that song at all. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah, they used to, they used to do... Live, they used to play this Broken Soul and like Black Sheep. It was like super fucking chaotic. There's a bunch of like bootlegs of them playing those two songs. The fact that they repeat Broken Soul like a lot, I think it's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much it. And then there was the Niedermeyer, Niedermeyer's Mind demo that Ross did with them before this record, which like had, had Predictable, Blind, Daddy, and Alive. And when they actually played, they played this, the first record in its entirety a couple of years ago. And um, and they actually played the the demo version of Predictable. They didn't play it. They didn't play the um, the actual album version, which is really weird that they did that. Oh. They kind of did it for like the hardcore fans, you know. They played the the demo version, which was interesting. True Heads. Yeah. And then Alive was re-recorded on Take a Look in the Mirror. So yeah, let's wrap this up, man. What, Dang, what are your we final did thoughts? It. We did it, man. What are your final thoughts on this one? This corn listen through wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's actually quite pleasant. I'm so happy to hear that, man. There's there's many a songs that I really really liked. There's even more that I thought were okay to good. There wasn't a whole lot that I thought was absolutely terrible, except for Untouchables. I just that one. It's so bizarre to me, man. That was a bad album. But um, yeah, I I had a good time. I had a good listen. It wasn't it wasn't too long, even though there are 13 albums, like an hour each. <laughs> 13 hours of corn yeah but it didn't it's just i don't know man i got through it so fast like faster than i normally get through listening like even like the sum 41 listen through i didn't get through that fast yeah I just maybe it's because it. maybe because you knew that that you had so much to listen to maybe that was it too I don't but also because like it's good backed up i guess maybe. yeah i don't know but also you know I, you may not agree but i've always felt every single corn record sounds different from the last like none of their albums sound the same they all have a different like tone to them and they're just none of them sound alike but that's just my opinion on it except for maybe like i don't know no they all sound different i don't know they all they all sound different but the same yeah like you like if you heard a song for me at least if i heard a song i could say oh that's off that album not by the name just by like what it sounds like i don't know they all have different tones to them it's all corn but it's almost like corn doing like a me first and the gimme gimme type of thing where each album they do something a little bit different. Almost like a different theme. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're definitely an interesting band. I I I respect them more now. Yeah. I mean, I still think the whole new metal scene's pretty goofy, but Oh yeah, I agree with you on that. But I do think I don't know, man. I I think it's it's more fun than the metal scene. And I think there's more there than the metal scene. Mhm. The metal scene has has evolved into now metalcore, mm-hmm. and that is just god awful. Yeah, for the most part, it is. And I'll take corn any day of the week over metalcore. Yeah, hell yeah. But um, yeah, man, this this album was fantastic. This was great. It had it had some some really fun parts that I thought were great, and they kind of bounced along, and they were goofy, and then it had some really gnarly, heavy shit that made me feel uncomfortable and want to cry. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a roller coaster through and through from start it to really finish is. of their discography and this album because the the nothing was a fucking fantastic album too. It's crazy how it's like good top that, five for me that album something. is. It was so good. Yeah, Remarkable. but this is gonna get probably I'll do two point eight. Oh, fuck! Wow. Yeah, I'll go. That's I'll shocking. Go, I'll, I'll do two point eight. That's a, that's amazing. That's. There were three songs that were okay. One of them was almost a stinky stink, but I don't know, man. Clown, Divine, Blind, Daddy. They, these are just, you can't beat them. They're can't untouchable. Them. They are untouchable. Mm-hmm. They're the untouchables. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody knows me, they know this is my favorite band. And um, yeah, I, I've, I really don't have a lot of negative things to say about the band. Don't have anything negative to say about this album. I think it's, absolute perfection um it's it's perfect it's a perfect three man i <laughs> i can't rave more about corn than i already do so i'm i'm keeping it short for you short and sweet short Not and like sweet corn. perfect band perfect album <sighs> i can't go wrong with it man it's a great listen through and through so i mean you can listen to the song front to back and it's perfect or you could take songs out individually and the songs are just perfect in themselves like it's great absolutely great so yeah that's about it i mean you got anything else to say about corn the band or this album or ready to get the hell out of here no i mean i think that's about it we're we're pretty deep in here yeah we've this is a long long episode Sur- surprisingly deep yeah i'm i'm surprised we talked for as long as we did but <laughs> there you go that's it. That's all. This is Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening. Go to iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Once again, that's it. That's all. <laughs>